This is the movie Hall of Fame for Friday, January 3rd, 2020. The best show of the year, in my opinion. You're probably right. Our annual year in review podcast. Your top 10 list, my top 10 list. We'll talk, we'll debate, we'll reflect. Just endless possibilities on today's program. Wouldn't you say, Adam Hall? Oh God, I don't. I don't want to think about that, dude. This is not going to go well. Well, maybe it'll go too well. That's the thing. I mean, I'm looking at my list currently, and yeah, this is just this is just a, a nuclear bomb. <laughs> so, um, in the past, we've done this exercise for what three years now? At least three, four I, years. I'm trying to think when we started because I think well, yeah, because we did. La La, I think we started with 2016 with La La Land. Okay. You know, and then 2017 with, uh, uh, yeah. Get Out, Get Star Out, Wars, Lady Bird. Blade Runner and Dunkirk and all those other good ones. Right. Uh, and yeah, so, so we're on number three. Yeah. Well, no, that, uh, no, then we would have done 2018 as well. So oh, this shit. Is number four. Oh, I forgot about 2018 entirely. Yeah. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. I think the movie world forgot yeah. about 2018 yeah. in general. No. Just the movie world. I had a good 2018, but the movie world was kind of weird. Yeah. Really yeah. weird. Um, so now we're back fourth year running. I have been doing this personally just on my own since 2012. You've been right. You rank every movie you see in a year. And I, uh, unfortunately came to your side on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, really fun. <laughs> I'm sure you saw more. I saw 40 movies. So, uh, oh, I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. I got to 52. Cool. By the end of it. Yeah. So all 52 movies are ranked. Um, Yeesh. <laughs> there's some shit in there. No doubt about it. Uh, I would say... Maybe 10 to 15 of my movies are just total garbage. Mm-hmm. And then the other 30 to 35 are pretty good. And I would say this top 10 cannot be touched. This is a perfect top 10. <laughs> it, Yours? It, it is an unbelievable top 10. Uh, I mean, you're going to disagree with mine pretty strongly, but uh, I love my top. I will say that. I, yeah. I deep, deeply, deeply, I mean, just a. About every film on my top ten I love. Pretty much everyone. Where did you come down on this movie year in general? I guess after really looking at it now, because I'm going through this, and it's not... Because out of the 40 films that I saw, it's not until 30 where I completely... I do not like this movie. Yep. Because... I feel the same way. Yeah. Because it like 29, 28, and 27, I'm like, eh, all right, whatever. Uh, and then 20, essentially 26 and on, I'm like, yeah, I like that movie. I'm going to throw out some movies for you that did not make my top 10. Okay. Dolomite is my name. 28 on my list. Oh, okay. Solid movie. Not great, but solid. Mm. Hustlers. 26 on my list. Again, J-Lo. Really fun in it. Looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Did not make my top 10. The Farewell. No. Aquafina. Touching independent A24 movie, number 20 on my list. None of these movies I've seen, by the way. Okay. All three of those movies, again, they are outside of the top 15, really solid. Any other year, let's say we were doing this in 2018, two or three of those movies could have easily made my top 10. Yeah, probably. The Report is another one with Adam Driver. Her Smell is 19, pretty good. Um, I really feel strongly about this. This is the best movie year of the decade, in my opinion. I'm going to put Maybe. it there. In my opinion, it is. I look at this top 10, top 11. It is beyond reproach, man. This is the strongest top 10 I think I've ever had. Maybe, yeah. Doing this exercise. At least looking at this, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I wouldn't necessarily say like this year produced like, like one of the greats. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say, but. Mm. Uh, well, that we won't know. Yeah. 
It's something though. Like seriously, looking at my uh, top because I go top eleven. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, you know what? Yeah, this is uh, like consistently solid. There's a few that are like kind of polarizing on my list. But, sure. I mean, you know, why not? It wouldn't be you if they if, were not polarizing. Certainly. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, we were really concerned about this too at the beginning of the year because there was nothing. It was a ghost town from January to April, essentially. Well, that was the thing. I think when the year started out, we were like, this is the worst we've ever had because yeah. it really was that bad. I remember like be- being kind of depressed because there was nothing coming out and I'm like, I haven't seen a movie in forever. Right. Yeah. I wasn't so, even seeing movies. Yeah. I saw us in February. Mm-hmm. And I got excited about that. And after that, it wasn't until Avengers Endgame, probably, where things so. started turning around. And mm. then, but then again, the summer was kind of weak too. Yeah. But by the start of award season, I was, yeah. I was in, man. Yeah, me too. And I, I think that we're gearing up for an awesome Oscar campaign over the next month. I hope it's a, an awesome Oscar campaign. It's just a lot of cool movies that are being considered too. Right. Like, like usually the Oscars are so predictable and I don't know, just the, the choices they come up with are just lame to me. Right. I, I don't know. And by the way, they I, may still come up with some pretty lame choices. Ugh, like what? What are they going to do? The two popes or something? So I actually saw the two popes oh, last really? night. I watched it. How was that? <laughs> so fucking boring. Yeah. But that is your hundred percent right. The exact type of movie we have to worry about. Okay. Which is like old man porn. Just two po- porn, uh, figuratively, not literally, Adam. Okay, okay. Uh, Anthony like, Hopkins and <laughs> old man porn, <born>. Jesus, <laughs> and the Red Sparrow from Game of Thrones are not going to be. Uh, no, uh, yeah, it's it's just like senior citizen home shit. Okay, it's really fucking boring. But that is the type of movie that if Netflix put the right money in the right retirement communities <laughs> and got the screener in front of enough eighty year olds, it yeah. could make a little push. Okay. Right. So boring though. Same yeah. guy that did City of God directed that movie. Really, I like City of God. I do too. Oh, okay, weird. Yeah, I kind of wish that. Uh, I wouldn't have suspected that kind of movie from him. Yeah, but whatever. he didn't tackle the papacy. <laughs> whatever. So boring. Yeah. Two popes. I wonder. <laughs> Jesus. There weren't many two popes this year, though. I'll say that. No, because that. I mean, I don't know. When I looked at it, it felt like another like Green Book or something, and I don't know. That's about right. Yeah. Really? Okay. My mother just watched Green Book, by the way. What'd she think? She adored it. Of course she did. She loved it. Of course so she much. did. Well, that's good. <laughs> I think my father fell asleep halfway through. Yeah. All right. Which also makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. Okay. You good? Anything else you want to get off your chest? Uh. <sighs> No, I guess I guess I'll, I'll go, do a brief overview of every movie. Like once we're done, do you want me to do that when we're done? Yeah, let's to just to show you, like surprise you with what didn't make my list. Yeah, let's. We'll do that at the end because I don't want to step on your list either. I have a feeling that some that I left off might have made it on yours. Okay, so maybe we wait. All right, and I suspect <laughs> the same would have happened on your list. This is gonna be bad. Okay, but it'll it'll be fun. All right, we'll, fun. we'll talk after. Um, how many franchise movies on your top ten? I guess technically one. Wow, just one. Technically, yeah. I have just one as well. That's but pretty. Not cool. technically, literally. Okay. That's impressive, isn't it? That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. yeah. How many do you suspect will overlap between you and me? Uh, like this, the exact same ranking? No, just how many are going to be on both of our lists? Two, three. Uh, I'm going to say at least five. I'm going to say exactly five. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, shall we do this? Yeah. You want to go first? Because you have 11? Yes. Okay. Number 11 for you, sir. Knives Out. 
I just watched this movie today. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. This is my number nine. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Thank Knives you. out, baby. Yeah. Ryan Johnson directs mm-hmm. a star-studded cast at yeah. its center. Everyone. Everyone Everyone's in this movie. Everyone we love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis, Lakeith Stanfield, Nick Nolte shows up. Or is that Don Johnson? No, it's Don Johnson. I get them confused all the time. They're not that similar. Apologies. <laughs> They're a little different. <laughs> It's like Army Hammer and Henry Cavill for me. What? <laughs> Don Johnson and Nick Nolte. They're totally different. Well, come on inside and get yourself something cool to drink. <laughs> you got uh, a little Michael Shannon. Good to see yeah. him as always. <laughs> Who's very good in it, by the way. Tony Collette, Christopher yeah. Plummer, and in our lead... Oh, Chris Evans, of course. Captain America is yep. in this. In our lead, Ana de Armas. Yep. Who I have been told is going to be a massive star within the next year. I loved her in Blade Runner, and she's very good in this as well. Yeah. Also quite beautiful. Yeah. Quite fetching. Yeah. And pukes a lot, I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> kind of weird, but okay. She's a gagger. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, why'd you have to say it? <laughs> you could have... <laughs> a gagger, dude? Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm worrying about it. Um, uh, talk to me about this movie. Uh it's a movie that knows exactly what it is yeah. and executes it about as well as you possibly could. And I, I don't know. It's a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think this movie's like phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination. I it's mean, possible people are overreacting just a hair. Yeah. It's, it's, again, it's one of those movies where I feel like people just saw like the cleverness and they were blown away by that. But I don't know. I, I've seen enough movies like this for me to just kind of step back from it a bit and be like, it's a very good version of this story. Don't get me wrong. And it's, like I said, ton of fun and funny as hell. And uh, I think the cast has wonderful chemistry with one another. Mm-hmm. And I don't totally I, I didn't totally see where every every twist was going. I thought that was great. Again, like as as far as like Agatha Christie stories are concerned, I mean, this is better than Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a solid, fairly well written what the heck? I know there are sirens in the background. Oh my god, Adam, they're coming for you! What the hell did I do? <laughs> you know what you did? Yeah, I actually, did. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> and the toxicology report is hidden in the. <laughs> <laughs> I threw up on Chris Evans. Don't spoil the movie. <laughs> That's the spoiler right there. <laughs> That's the spoiler. <laughs> uh, look, Ryan Johnson is uh, an awesome filmmaker, yeah. and he's an awesome like popular filmmaker. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily want him working on A24 projects. Yeah, I was going to say, this movie is not like, like the most like like ambitious thing ever made. It's just a, a you know a solid genre film, right? And is incredibly mainstream, which is why I've actually recommended this movie to a lot of people. Like, if you just want a solid mystery, this is pretty much it. This is yeah. the best you're going to find this year, right? So yeah, it's a real just clever adaptation or not adaptation. It's a real clever version of a well worn genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge Agatha Christie guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of like. Clue style, although I love Clue very much. Yes, I know. Clue style murder mysteries. They're a little too contained. They're a little too clever and cute for me. I just like something a little more character driven. Mm -hmm. And this feels like something that someone who reads a lot of like Nancy Drew novels would enjoy. Yeah. Um, I was not a Nancy Drew reader growing up. Um, But yeah, I, I just found it very entertaining and I really enjoy this cast a lot. I figured out the mystery halfway through. I, I must admit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that ruined it a little bit because I've heard like a, a lot of reviews of this movie saying you'll never figure out what the final twist is. But as soon as Christopher Plummer uh, wrote the note 
to himself ab- about the particulars of the crime, mm-hmm. I put two and two together, and then I figured out who eventually did the heinous thing. Yeah. So, that's that. The pro- the, but it's still clever, though. The problem with movies like this is that you go through everybody, and you just sort of guess that, oh, this person probably did it, and this person probably did it. And I think... No matter no matter who you are at this point, like you, you just end up suspecting everybody. Because I think at one point I did suspect the character. Yep. I never like settled on anybody though. So I right. guess I guess that's if if you're gonna fall anywhere, I guess that's the best place to be. Yeah. The throwing up thing. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that was gonna be for you. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. I, at first, I'm like, this is really fucking corny, and yeah. this is like lazy screenwriting. But by the end of it, he actually. Uses as a, as a pretty clever plot device. Yes, and and it is, uh, you know, it works. I suppose it's the only thing in the. I mean, I I I, I enjoyed it. It was funny, but uh, I there's <laughs> just the notion that every time I hear a lie, I puke. <laughs> it feels like it's out of a different movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is uh, certainly affecting my ranking. Also, Daniel Craig's accent. What the hell is going on there? He's too goddamn funny, though. Yeah, he's really good. I, he could do whatever accent he wants. He could he could play a Chinese man. I don't care. It's hilarious hearing him attempt anything besides English. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, Knives Out. Solid. Solid movie. I, I think people are overreacting slightly, but it still made my top 10, and any other year it would have been much higher. So... Well, and didn't make my top 10. That's true. <laughs> it is indeed your number 11. <laughs> Okay. I feel like every list I should just include uh, This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> and my number 11 is This is Spinal Tap. Okay. In the year- We're 35 years <laughs> running. <laughs> okay. Uh, number 10 for me then is a tie. I have two movies at my number 10. Number 9. No, number 10. Number 10? Number 10 is a tie. Oh, so it's not Knives just- Out was number 9 for me. Oh, oh, oh. So number 10, I have two movies. So technically, I too have a top eleven. You fucker. Um, one is directed by a man that appears later on in this list. Same guy made two movies in my top ten, and the other is Sidney Pollock, who has been dead for like fifteen years. <laughs> okay. The first one, uh, or that Sidney Pollock movie, I should say, is called Amazing Grace. Oh, which is a concert documentary. About Aretha Franklin and a recording session that she had over two days in a church in Los Angeles. Okay. It is a straight concert movie through and through. It is available on Hulu. Um, I adore Aretha Franklin. I grew up listening to Aretha Franklin music. Gospel music has always occupied a weird space in my life. Interesting. Um, And so I was very excited to watch this one when I heard about it. It is um, just one of the most powerful concert docs i've ever seen in my life it's cool. really 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 good right. because aretha franklin is really 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 good uh this album was recorded i think she was maybe 28 29 at the time she had already made it big all of her big hits had already been released you make me feel like a natural woman mm. respect uh chain of fools you know everything she was already at the height of her powers and so she goes back to this church in front of a live audience, wants to record this live gospel album as sort of a personal exploration. The album, I believe, to this day is one of the top selling gospel albums of all time. Certainly one of the most influential gospel albums of all time. But this footage, which was shot in 1971 by Sidney Pollock, had been buried for 40 years. Oh. Sidney Pollock shot it. 
forgot to use clapboards, <laughs> so they couldn't sync up the audio and the video. How do you forget to use a clapboard? I don't know. Sidney Pollack, who, again, has made Tootsie in like, a lot of great American he, films. He forgot to use it or he didn't have a clapboard? I don't know. They just didn't use them. That's weird. Right. I mean, you could still make your movie without a clapboard. It's just very difficult. Well, and annoying. especially then, it was very difficult, too. So, they had all this footage and all this audio, and they couldn't sync it up. <laughs> so, uh, one thing leads to another. They find this footage. They figure out a way to sync it up. And Aretha Franklin sues... The studio saying, I don't want this thing to see the light of day. I have no idea why that would be. I don't think she comes across as bad in the movie. In fact, I think she comes across as quite majestic in the movie. Uh, I don't think she utters more than three words to the camera. It's all sung. Um, But that happened. And then she died. And the estate was like, "Okay, fine. We'll release it. And it's an incredible concert documentary. Cool. Uh, There's a point in the film where, like, they're panning to the audience in this very small, intimate church. And I see this guy in the background, and I'm like, who, who is that? Wait, what? And I squint a little bit, and I'm like, is that Mick Jagger? <laughs> and I Google it, and yes, Mick Jagger was just hanging out in the room, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> in <Okay>. 1971. <laughs> All right. Uh, listening to Aretha. Weird, okay. Yeah. Okay, fine. This thing is available on Hulu. If you are a fan of gospel music or just music in general, it is a must-watch. Amazing Grace makes the top 11. Cool. And also, another concert documentary, tied at number 10, directed by a guy that is on this list later. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese. And I've heard your feelings on this weird thing. I'm not going to say anything about it, because I don't want to ruin it for you. Um, Have you seen the movie? No. Okay. But I know what what the deal with it is. It's quite long. It's two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. Bob Dylan is one of the like five most influential figures in the world to me. Uh, he is like probably my favorite songwriter of all time. Could be my favorite musician of all time. And um, Martin Scorsese turns out he can make a movie too. So when you combine these two forces and they make this pseudo concert documentary, but also strangely a mockumentary, yeah. and I won't go any further into that. Uh, it's, it's just a mind blowing thesis statement and I understood exactly what he meant by it. And I know like not everybody necessarily would. And if you're not a Dylan fan, perhaps the meaning will be lost on you. But, uh, you know, I've just spent a lot of time like reading Bob Dylan lyrics and I've read his autobiography and I've seen every documentary about the guy. So like it just meant a ton to me. All right. So, uh, that is my personal choice. Martin Scorsese's Rolling Thunder review, a Bob Dylan story. The word story, an important aspect of that. <laughs> I know. So that's that. Cool. Okay. Was that too pretentious? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Two concert documentaries in the top 10? <laughs> well, wait till you see what my number 10 is. Oh, boy. You, you want to talk about too pretentious? Oh, no. <laughs> you know what this is. Oh, no. What do you think? I think that this is a movie about a horny young white dude. Under the Silver Lake. Pers- yes. Uh, parading across <laughs> the streets of Los Angeles. Number 10 is Under the Silver Lake, baby. Bashing people's skulls in with yeah. guitars. Which is a great scene. <laughs> oh, what a fucking cringeworthy scene that is. 
Go ahead, speak on this movie again. Uh, very in the vein of The Big Lebowski. Um, it wishes. Nah, it is. It's a very strange, surreal film about a guy uh, searching for meaning in a place that essentially is devoid of meaning and trying to reconcile with what that means and uh, reconcile with the fact that there's maybe no hope or maybe there is. Uh, it has a lot to say about uh, Hollywood and the industry and the the men who control it and what they do to the, their female counterparts and all this other mumbo-jumbo crazy shit. This movie's <laughs> fucking batshit. It's also hilarious. I, I think the movie's uh, quite charming in that way. Uh, I, I actually kind of love Andrew Garfield in this movie. And it's a kind of a weird vibe movie that just resonates with me personally, where it's like, yeah, I, 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 I appreciate a movie's attempt to illustrate Hollywood as just a sleazeball town and have, have us go on this weird journey with this character and explore its many crazy facets. You know, it, it's not mean spirited at all. It's, it's a, it's a interesting adventure and I just like that. And, um, yeah. I don't know. It's not for everybody. I can't recommend it to a single human being on no. this planet. Only if I and if, I would not dare. And if I if I met anybody even kind of like me, I'm not sure if I would recommend it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just one of those oddities that just works so well for me, and it's it's uh, it's a ton of fun, and it makes me laugh, and it puts me in a, an oddly good spirit. Aside from the people burying themselves in a bunker for some horrendous reason. What a like stupid nowhere ending that is <laughs> no i disagree now that's like the type of ending where because i i remember mentioning this to you i'm sitting there watching the movie and it's like an hour and a half through and yep. i'm thinking to myself this isn't gonna go anywhere yep. and i came to the realization that i'm gonna spend the next hour of my life watching something that's total nonsense <laughs> and turns out i was a hundred percent right that destination is just like a meaningless empty unsatisfying conclusion and no i disagree no. Okay, I won't spoil the movie for the audience yeah. at home. But no, I didn't get that out of it at all. I actually thought it was oddly kind of poignant. So, uh, David Robert Mitchell directs. Yep. the director of It Follows, which is a much better movie than this. Uh, yes and no. I think yes and yes. No, yes. That's and how no. I would put no, it. No, yes and no. I would say yes and yes. I love It Follows, but it's not like like untouchable. I would say. Mm. So yeah, I mean that's. That's another podcast, I guess. I do not like movies that have themselves just stuck way up their own asshole. That, that I'm just not into. I That's never got that not vibe. Not my vibe. No, no, I never got that vibe from this movie at all. You know what this movie reminded me of? Inherent what? Vice, another movie that I can't <laughs> fucking stand. Yeah, but this, I think the difference is that uh, at least this movie's entertaining. Inherent Vice is ungodly boring. I actually find Inherent Vice more entertaining. You're we know. Well, that that you you're wrong. About. I'm entirely serious. You're I think Inherent Vice is a better movie than this. Oh God! At least it's got PTA, man. Making moves. Well, it's bad PTA. I will definitively say it's indulgent PTA. I wouldn't call it bad PTA. Uh no, I don't care. Robert David Robert Mitchell did a better job than PTA at this story. In quotes. Take that. This is not a story. <laughs> yeah, it is. This it's, is nonsense. Yeah, it's 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 cr- a little crazy. Topher Grace is in this thing for some reason. <laughs> That's a little strange. Riley Kogue. Yeah. She's quite beautiful. Yes, she is. I'll give her that. And Andrew Garfield I will defend. Yeah, he's very good in the movie. Yeah. <sighs> what a waste of time. I fucking hate this movie. That's okay. okay so you are now uh one for one so far. Oh yeah. Uh, one one and one, I should say. <laughs> one for two. Uh number nine is knives out for me. What's number nine for you, sir? Midsummer. Oh, great. Another yeah. one that I just adored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a, a 
so close to being a masterpiece movie. It's not quite there in my. I'm opinion. surprised it's actually this low for you. Uh, and I, I, I may may have put it higher up on my list, but I had to be honest with myself and just be like, yeah, I, I was so upset watching it that it felt wrong putting it any higher on the list. Mm-hmm. But this is a, I mean, a, a director in full control of his craft and rarely making a misstep and understanding exactly what he's doing and has, has a deep and deep deeply unsettling uh, knowledge of the film's subject matter yes in a way that you can just feel in every every second even in the scenes where they where they don't go to the cult and just the way the the, the friends interact with each other and that sort of awkward tension with you know dealing with this guy's girlfriend who nobody likes and what it ultimately builds to and oh god yeah it's a uh, oh. It's a movie. It's a tough watch. It's a tough watch. Yeah, it's it's the in my I said it was the most horrifying film I've ever seen, and that might be true. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's scary at all, but no, you will leave this movie just shook. Yes, you are a different person leaving it than when you entered, and uh, yeah, as long as you can get past that, it's a great film. <laughs> we saw this movie together. Yeah, you said to me in the car afterwards. I remember the two of us had to get ice cream after just because I needed to <laughs> calm down. Yeah. Uh, you just said to me, "There's a monster in that theater. <laughs> yeah. There's a monster in there, and we need to save the public <laughs> and not let anyone else see that thing." Because it, you're right. It felt like a violation, almost. Yeah, it felt like an assault. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't believe that this was put in theaters. Yeah, I was absolutely shocked. Right. Um. Yes, because it is a you know a provocative movie. Let's say yes, it is very provocative. You know that is the effect of the movie. I understand and appreciate what Ari Aster is doing. I think the guy is a very talented filmmaker. I just wish that he didn't aim to destroy my soul every time I saw one of his films. You know, it's just one of those movies like perfectly made. I would never make it and never wish to see it ever again. I assume this one did not make your list. It did not make my top 10 list. That's too bad, dude. Uh, Shout out to Florence Pugh, by the way. Yeah, she's very good. It was very good in the movie. Uh, And we did a whole hour on this movie. So yeah, go listen. Go listen if you so choose and i believe jabril loved this movie right loves this movie yeah. yeah loves this movie like very like oh my god like he's i think the biggest uh defender of this not not that it needs a defender but like a champion yeah he's a champion of this film yeah uh this movie needs no champions this movie <laughs> <laughs> needs a sledgehammer to the skull that's what it needs it, it's fine with that it, the movie <laughs> is perfectly fine with that uh okay very good number eight for me What's that? My only franchise film. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It is the fourth installment of a beloved film series. Is this the 7-Up series? No. No? I haven't seen that yet. But I heard it ended. Yeah. Yeah. They just came out with a new one, yeah. But that's the last one. Yeah. Yeah, I need to watch those. I've never seen any of those. Have you seen those? No, but I hear they're, like, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it didn't make my list. Uh, Why did we all forget about Toy Story 4? Oh, yeah, that didn't make my list, but okay. What, <laughs> what's a, up, people? What? what pe- why did no one pay attention to this? People chose, because it's the fourth Toy Story film. And they, Were they just so mad that they fucked with the third one? Is that the problem? I don't know if they even fucked with the third one is the thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I remember that movie came out, and like it, of course, it, it does well at the box office, but you know, this is another film that proves like just because your movie makes money, that doesn't mean it's talked about by anybody. Yeah. Because nobody spoke about this. I movie. know, it was, it was weird. weird. It was like the mafia. Yeah, I was like, where, like, yeah, I, I would have had no idea that it had come out if I, if, 
I wasn't more aware of this thing and didn't go see it myself, like went out of my way to go see it. Maybe that's just like the children's movie thing? No. No, I disagree because Inside Out was like certainly discussed when it and came so out. And so was Toy Story 3, I feel yeah. like. But I, mean, I was also 14 when that came out, so yeah. maybe that was a different thing. I also felt like in- The Incredibles 2 had at least some conversation. Not that much, but a lot more than this thing. Yeah. So. Um, I think maybe there's some fatigue around this franchise. Just because it's the fourth installment, and I feel like there have been a lot of Toy Story TV specials. Now Disney Plus has that Forky miniseries, and it kind of feels like at one point in time, Toy Story was the prestige animated film franchise, and like every installment was beyond reproach, and now it's just being mined for intellectual property. But I feel like, I don't know, that's every children's movie ever made. Like, I had a Buzz Lightyear action figure, Mm -hmm. and that's fine, right? They're popular movies that kids enjoy. And they also have a ton of heart, and they're incredibly smart. Uh, is it my favorite Toy Story movie? Certainly not. I would probably put it at number four. But I fucking cried at the end. I'm man enough to admit that. <laughs> I saw this with a lady friend of mine, and I was crying, and she laughed at me for crying. No. And so, yeah. Yeah. Nothing that's, wrong with that, man. That's okay, Nico. Toy Story 4 is really good, man. Yes, it's very... and and. Uh, Contrary to what some people were saying about it, is that it felt like a story that they wanted to tell. Yes. And that's the real sinker for me, where it's just like, yeah, no, because I, I expected it to just be a cash grab, but I saw it, and I was like, oh, this is like a like an important thing to be to be said to us. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It felt like these filmmakers had wanted to make this movie, and, you know, those are usually the, the, the good franchise films, as we discussed, because we've had a couple movies this year, you know, I won't name names, but there was a ninth entry where it's like, yeah, you guys didn't want to say a goddamn thing, did you? Or even or barely make a movie, you know? Uh, yes, certainly. Yeah, I don't know what that movie was called. But. <laughs> Actually, there were two franchises that had the ninth installment that I was not so impressed by. That and Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw, uh, yeah, they're at nine? Or maybe they're at ten now. Regardless. <laughs> did not care for it. Yeah, I figured. Uh, no, but this one is really good. I think it's the best franchise movie of the year, and... Like, all the stuff in the antique shop I found very clever, and I liked the characters, and I liked Christina Hendricks' villain, and... Uh, yeah, man, it's very good. No, it's... To infinity and beyond! Don't, don't, no, let this one be seen, it's good, I mean... Forky? (laughs) Forky's okay. Forky's awesome! He's okay. I love Forky. (laughs) I like the villain character a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like, one of the more compelling villains of the year, oddly. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Toy Story 4 is solid, people. Like I said, didn't make my list, but, you know... It's, it's worth mentioning. Very solid. Yeah. Okay. Number eight for you, sir. Number eight is <laughs> a strange one. And uh, I think technically, maybe not as good as some of the films above and below, honestly. I mean, obviously below, but um, yeah, uh, it's the most fun I had in the theater. Okay. And uh, I highly recommended this movie to many people. And that movie is Crawl. Oh, wow. Okay. I... Absolutely love the movie, and I've seen it many times now. And I'm you like, and Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those movies again. And I said it when uh, you first asked me about it. There couldn't be. There's nothing special about this movie whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It is just a movie about people trying to survive some alligators in a crawl space. Mm. That's the movie, and it doesn't try to be anything more or less. I mean, there's a little bit more going on with the relationship between the father and the daughter that I actually thought was fairly well handled which, you know, added a little more substance to the film that would not have been there otherwise. And it's just, you know, again, getting me invested in a ride that's just awesome. Mm. It's just an exciting, fun, you know, like 
you know, inoffensive movie. And it had been a while since I'd gone to the theater and been like, I just had an awesome, awesome, awesome time. And this is genuinely the most fun I had seeing a movie this year. Alexandra Aja directs this, who is known for his work on Piranha 3D. And High Tension. Uh, Is that good? Is that a good one? Have you seen it? Uh, It's in the line with Martyrs, if you want to see that. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. I do not want to see that. Okay, then don't see it. Is there flailing that happened? Or flaying, I should say? There's a scene where a guy uh, fucks a severed head. Okay, I'm going to skip that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to skip high tension. (laughs) If you don't mind. Uh, yeah, how about these alligators, though, huh? They're, they're cool alligators. Really? I mean... The they're in- big, I see. They, no, they're they're big, but like... Are they normal size alligators? Yeah. yeah. They're not alligators like- are that big? Yeah. They looked bigger in the trailer. They're big alligators, but they're not like... It's not like Lake Placid or anything like that, you know? <laughs> Lake Placid. Crocodiles. Let me correct myself. Crocodile in Lake Placid, alligators in Crawl. It's very important. But yeah, one of the few movies... So this is really like the first alligator movie then, isn't it? I think so. First alligator horror movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a monumental milestone film that we got here. Wow, Crawl. With Crawl, yeah. No, like, like I said, you, you would watch it and be like, it is what it is. I enjoy it for well enough. I don't think you would love it, but I, I just think it's just, it's just a dope film. It's okay. one of those little dope films that just resonated with me so perfectly because I kind of grew up watching movies like this. So I have a sort of built-in bias. Should it be this high on the list? Eh, probably not. But yeah. you know, I can't help myself. Yeah. Uh, if uh, yeah, if I if I see it, I'm I'm sure I'll enjoy it just fine. I, I saw the trailers and it did look fun. It is. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to it because there have been a ton of other movies that I felt an urgency about, mm-hmm. and I had to squeeze in some. I watched I think like seven eight movies over the last three four days. Yeah. And this was not one of <laughs> no. this was not screaming top ten to me. I doubt that it would have made my top ten. No. But got, it's no, it's I mean, it's it's worth it, though. I mean, it's got some good music, too, and some solid performances and a movie where the dog remarkably doesn't die. Spoiler. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You there's many, many, many a really good scene in particular where you think it's going to die, but it doesn't. And that made me happy. Stop killing the dogs in your movies, people. Jesus. And as I said, Quentin uh, agrees with you. Yeah, I know. So I think that was his third best movie of the year. Maybe. I think he ranked it at number three. No, uh, no, actually. He ranked another movie at number three, which I will talk about. I'm sure you will. Um, <laughs> all right, Crawl. Yeah, this is a crazy list out of you already. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> Bring in the alligators. Man, I just don't know how you're going to make room for the rest of these. But okay, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, number seven for me. What's that? It's a movie that I suspect is on your list. And if it doesn't make your list, I will be shocked. And it's called The Lighthouse. Mm. Is it on your list? Yeah. Where is it on your list? I can't tell you that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I should. Really. Well, well it's, it's up to you. Hmm. Do whatever you want. I'll just reveal it and then we'll move on to the next one. Okay. Uh, yeah, The Lighthouse, direct, directed by Robert Eggers of The Witch fame. We did a whole podcast about this one with Jabril. Go listen to that if you are so inclined. Um, has sort of a silent movie feel to it, as mm-hmm. as Jabril pointed out on that podcast. It feels a lot like Nosferatu. Yes, it does. Without really being Nosferatu, it just has that sort of uh, claustrophobic, horrifying, silent vibe to it. Um, there's a real uneasy sensation throughout this entire movie. Has a little bit of Lynch in it. It's very absurd. 
uh, although the plot I don't find to be particularly absurd. It no. actually made total sense to me the first time I saw it. Yeah. I was just sort of swept away by the inconsistency of the editing and the visuals. It's it's a very like off kilter, uncanny experience watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found it totally effective and moving, and I love these two actors. Willem Dafoe is awesome. Seems like his Oscar chances have gone by the wayside. Unfortunately, because I mean, I thought he was absolutely flooring in the movie. Yeah, uh, it just looks like the five nominees are the five nominees at this point, and it's a stacked list already, and there's just not going to be room for him. It's too bad. Uh, This movie, too, I think, has become underrated in a weird way, even though it got a lot of love when it came out. I I wouldn't necessarily say it's underrated, but it's another one of those movies that maybe didn't enter the conversation as much as we had hoped. Right. But then I look back on it and I think, oh yeah, fucking a mermaid. (laughs) You know, okay, maybe it makes sense. Bad luck killing a seabird. (laughs) What? 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 (laughs) You don't like me cooking? So fun doing the voice. Yes. Man, I would have never guessed that a silent black and white movie shot in four by three. It's about even two, smaller than that, yeah, actually. About oh. two fucking pirates on a on a on an island together with no other characters would be compelling, but I found it very compelling. Indeed. Oh, this movie is just an, a weird, fascinating character study trip and uh, one of the probably the best psychological thriller of the year. Which is it's it's hard for me to even call it that. Cause, I mean, when I think of psychological thrillers, this is not the type of movie that ever comes to mind. But that's essentially what it is, mm-hmm. and it's oddly challenging. And <laughs> again, it's another one of those movies that just leaves you. Or you leave you leave the theater, and this movie just sticks with you forever. I yep. don't I don't know. I, I I loved loved this movie. I'm at that point now where it's like, yeah, this is pretty masterful in all sense. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see it again. Okay, number seven for you, sir. Dr. Sleep. Okay. There you go. It's, okay. it's there. Number seven is Dr. Sleep, which is a film that I love, uh, a film that you do not. I do not. Yes. Uh, Would you like to know where I have it on my list? You have it like like at the bottom like three or something. I have it at 44 out of 52. Uh, that is... Un- right above Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. That is unconscionably low. <laughs> no, <laughs> You have to admit, that's like a little ridiculous. I find this movie to be so fucking stupid. I have Under the Silver Lake higher than this one. Yeesh, dude. How about that? I have Ma higher than this one. I have the beach bum higher than this one. You're fucking crazy. Why do you hate this movie so much? It's not that bad, man. It just isn't. It's objectively better than literally every movie you just said. All I will say is it it is, I guess, well shot and I guess well choreographed and I guess Rebecca Ferguson is fun in it. Um, But I find it to be totally ineffective horror. I, I find like its entire intent to be more sci-fi fantasy thriller than I do horror. And that bothered me, given that it's a sequel to a horror movie. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? I also think it's just pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. Lady in the top hat. That's okay. Eating little boys. <laughs> this movie does feel more in line with something like that's a little more action-oriented. Which, again, as soon as I caught on to that, I'm like, oh, this is the type of movie I'm getting. Cool. Yeah. I'm all for that ride. I don't care. Again, a sequel to a horror film does not have to be another horror movie. Yeah. I don't I don't mind at all. Is it just because of the horror movie it was a sequel to? Yeah, sure. All right. Why not? Okay. <laughs> I'm man enough to admit that. Yeah. Stephen King fucked with it. Stephen King fucked with Stanley Kubrick's Shining, which is my favorite horror movie of all time. Yeah. Yes. I took it personally. <laughs> I'm a fanboy. Deal with it. All right. 
It's I also a, did not like Ewan McGregor in this. He's fine, and if I'm to agree with you on anything, I mean, I don't think he's bad, but he's more serviceable than anything. He's kind of has has his moments here and there that I I enjoy. I like when he's uh, helping the old old people go to bed and die, uh, but most of the time he's just kind of doing a job. So there's that. But I fucking adore Rebecca Ferguson in this movie. Literally every yeah, scene she's her in. Wardrobe. I just think it's stupid. You're stupid. No, I, I hate your wa- listen, wardrobe, Mike, Nico. Mike Flanagan did the best that he could with this material, and I just find the material to be so unbelievably stupid. <laughs> I find everything about this movie to be stupid and ineffective, and you know, I just keep coming back to that scene where Rebecca Ferguson gets caught in a little girl's dream. Okay. And, you know, we just have no understanding of whose side we're supposed to be on, who we're supposed to fear, who we're supposed to root for. And that, to me, is just ineffective horror. When you're just watching a character who is supposed to be our villain and is supposed to be the character that we fear have the tables turned on her, you just lose the entire effect of the movie on me. Mm-hmm. The, the curtain is down and you are no longer making something scary. You are just making something purposefully weird. And I don't like weird for the sake of being weird. I like weird with an emotion behind it. You didn't like the ambiguity? Like maybe it's a little like shocking to see the little girl be that way? I think that not- is a as, as about a, as compelling an argument as you can make for a scene that is hard to argue in defense of. I think it's a great scene, though. <laughs> I <laughs> no, mean, it's I, well done. I, I, I think you're grasping at straws to say that moral ambiguity is the point there. Mm, I, no, no. I mean, Rebecca Ferguson's character is quite compelling and quite lovable, but also, you know, it's easy to understand why she'd, she'd be the villain here. I don't know. I was never afraid of the little girl, though. No. No. You know? You're certainly thrown off by her there anyway, though, in terms of illustrating how powerful she is. They even talk about it later on in the movie and, you know, how much of a problem it is. I don't know. Let me give you an example. Yeah. So, Looper, great movie. Uh, I'm going to spoil Looper a little bit to say that a little boy in that movie does something towards the end. Yeah. That is quite horrifying and it's jarring to the viewer. Like you don't see this specific moment mm-hmm. coming. That's a moment. If you want to talk about moral ambiguity, is yeah. it right to protect the kid or is it not right to protect the kid? Mm-hmm. Where you're like, oh shit, maybe everything we thought about this innocent little boy was wrong all along. Yeah. This is what he's actually capable of. At no point in that scene do you feel that way about Abra. Mm-hmm. There's no point where you're like, oh, Maybe I am rooting for the wrong person. <laughs> no, it's pretty fucking cut and dry. Like, the yeah. bad guys in this movie are cannibals mm-hmm. that capture little kids and suck their essence out of them and live on for hundreds and hundreds of years because there's some sort of zombie vampire yeah. hybrid. There's nothing morally ambiguous about that. Yeah. And there's nothing morally ambiguous about our cute little girl character who's who has interesting patter with Ewan McGregor and has some magical powers. Mm-hmm. So, no, I did not find that scene particularly compelling as a work of moral ambiguity no i don't think it's a perfect scene in that way though is my only thing well the whole movie is sort of structured that way though it's structured as like an action sci-fi adventure which i think is what it is with magicians dueling each other in the woods i think that's what it is i don't think it's entirely being a horror film it's like a weird genre blending that we got here which is fine by me like I said, I mean, I, I, i don't know man once i figured out what the tone was which was pretty quickly i'm like oh yeah okay i get it it's not that stupid to me. It's not the most fantastical movie I've ever seen. Well, I'm sure Stephen King would agree with you. Hmm. I wish this movie was never made. 
No, I think it's great. I think well, it's again, a, QT agrees with you. I think it's so a, who am I? I think it's a great film. Have you listened to the Dunkirk podcast yet with Tarantino? No. Oh, you got to do it. I probably never will. I think you listen <laughs> to that and you might be, ah, you might start coming over to my side. Oh, yeah. He makes a lot of compelling points. I'm sure he does. You know, next, so they're doing this three thing on, on the ringer.com, this three part podcast series with Tarantino. Um, and it, it's just fucking awesome. The first was a podcast about Dunkirk. And the second movie he's doing is the Tony Scott directed from 2010, uh, Unstoppable. He likes Unstoppable? He loves Unstoppable, apparently. Yeah. And makes a compelling argument for that. I haven't listened to it yet. Denzel Washington, Chris Pine. That's a little weird. See, here's the thing. Like, I hear that and I'm like, my gut reaction is not, wow, Tarantino has bad taste. My reaction is, wow, I must have bad taste. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, that's not my, my... I'm not saying he has bad taste. I'm just like, oh, that's strange. Because that movie's like a whole heap of whatever. But like, okay. Well, maybe it's, you've it's been curious. missing something all these years. It's it's just curious. I've never seen it, by the way. Tony Scott's later career is pretty awful. I mean... Man on Fire. I like Man on Fire. Love and I it. And I don't mind uh, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Haven't seen it. It's okay. Uh, but like that style is just like, even in those movies, I hate that style. The quick cut, like quick cut, like, like they're fading multiple images on top of one another and zoom in, zoom out. And like, like you want a a whole course on over editing your movies. Yeah. (laughs) Those movies are so messy visually. Yeah. I don't mind it when he does it. I feel like it's masterfully done in his hands. That's why I love true romance so much. Well, it's not done in true romance is the thing. Well, it's not quite that frenetic, but it's it's a quick cutting movie. That movie doesn't like not hang like, tight. No, not like that though. Yeah. I mean, there are no sequences in true romance where they're literally blending the images on top of one another where I cannot tell what's going on. I don't know. I love Man on Fire. Yeah, I like it too. It's Denzel's good. great in it. Yes, he is. It's a solid movie. Yeah. Not a great movie. No. But I've seen it a lot though. It's yeah, one of those so movies on cable all the time. Yeah. It's a cool one. Okay. Uh that was your number seven? Yes. Okay, number six for me is a movie that I believe you have not seen. What is it? Could be wrong about that. I saw it yesterday, and it fucking floored me, uh, and it's called Little Women. Oh, uh, I was going to go see it soon, yeah. Okay. How is it? Well, I can't, don't spoil anything for me. Well, I will tell you that it's number six on my list, so I think that it's means pretty it's good. pretty fucking good. Yeah. I would say it's better than The Lighthouse, Toy Story 4, Knives Out, Rolling Thunder Review, and Amazing Grace. Is that enough information for you? I don't think anybody agrees with you, but, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> Um, I am happy to report Greta Gerwig, not a one hit wonder. Uh, she's got the goods. In fact, maybe a better filmmaker than her longtime boyfriend, Noah Baumbach. (laughs) That that's, and that is saying something for me because I love Noah Baumbach. You know that about me. Um, this is, uh, just an awesome fucking movie that is not getting any love at the Golden Globes or apparently he's not going to get any love at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody's upset about it, and I, I have to agree with them. Okay. I think she was snubbed. I think this movie was snubbed. This thing should have been nominated for a bunch of stuff at the Globes, All right. and it didn't get anything. Uh, I am not a fan of costume dramas. I am not a fan of Little House on the Prairie bullshit. I don't like movies about, you know, girls falling in love with boys <laughs> in the 19th century, and I have never read Little Women nor seen any adaptation of Little Women. Mm-hmm. But my God, uh, this is a Greta Gerwig movie cool. through and through with an awesome script and a great sense of energy. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
it's a very inventive work of screenwriting and she did a lot of stuff with the story here played along with the time played around with the timeline a lot and uh and that is all to be commended but i think her finest talent if i were to say one thing is working with actors yeah and maybe that's because she's an actor herself and she has that experience uh but this cast is just fucking dynamite yeah saoirse ronan obviously uh florence Pugh Mm. in the supporting role should get a best supporting actress nomination she's so good in this great year for florence Pugh. timothy chalamet of course we know he's a superstar already Mm -hmm. um is just like an awesome kind of shithead boyfriend he's very good at playing that i like he's <laughs> timothy chalamet is weird because i think he's a very good actor but i don't like like hanging out with him i don't like hanging out with any of his characters that he's ever played yeah which is maybe not good for me because he's gonna have you seen beautiful boy no okay yeah yeah that's a tough one yeah he's gonna be the lead in dune right he's playing kyle mclaughlin so famously played yeah yes yeah yes sign me up for dune i want dune tomorrow me too. Oh. I would watch Dune. Right, I'd watch the rough cut of Dune. But I'm no CGI. Oh god, I'm so terrified of this movie because <laughs> it could be like the best movie ever made or just total garbage. Give me Dune, oh, boy. Here we go. Yeah, uh, and then you just have a you know uh, a bunch of awesome character actors. Laura Dern's in this. Bob Odenkirk pops up. Really? Kind of weird seeing Saul Goodman in in Little Women. Weird. Okay, that's uh, he was kind of distracting. Tracy Letts is in this one. Emma Watson is pretty good. Um, yeah, this is a movie that I should not have loved and I was not expecting to love it, but I went into that theater yesterday afternoon with a bunch of old ladies and we all fucking adored it. I really, 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 really like this movie. All right. Uh, and you should see it and everyone should see it. And, um, the reports have not been exaggerated. It's, it's really, really good. All right. And Greta is here to stay. That makes me happy. Yeah. Cause I love Lady Bird. And yeah, and I've been excited for to see this one for a while. I'm not sure if I like it more than Lady Bird, but it's pretty close. Okay, it's pretty close. All okay. right, all right. Good. So there you go, Little Women. Little Women. You should see it. Should I take your girlfriend? Okay, that's she'll the, like it. That's the plan. <laughs> she will. Uh, she. This is a good date movie. Okay. She'll really like it. All right, fine, fine. You know what I watched the other night that maybe wasn't the greatest date movie was Blue Jasmine. Finally, oh, finally saw it and quite loved it. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it a great date movie. But I was like, yeah, this is like monumentally depressing. Yeah, uh, but it's so it's so weird because it, it, it jumbles from a scene being so funny to just the saddest shit imaginable. Yeah. Uh, but it's it yeah it's 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 great. I loved it. Uh, and uh, what'd you think of Kate? Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Number six. Yeah. The Irishman. Okay. This is on my list, too. Yep. Number six of The Irishman, and we talked about this movie in great detail on an awesome podcast that we had. Go listen. But, uh, yeah, this is just like a sort of a monumental film, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, One that it seems like uh, all these actors and writers and the director have been wanting to make for years now, and it's great to finally see it come into fruition. And it's just like a staggering epic story about, I guess, the, I don't know, almost like the death of a genre which is probably something we'll talk about uh, later on, I'm sure, with you. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Uh, with me. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, and I think this is a... Uh, <laughs> I don't like where this is going. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I, I think every pretty much everyone is... is it ranges from good to, like, phenomenal, like some of the best acting I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. And Joe Pesci, specifically. Jo- Joe Pesci is... Uh, my God, Joe Pesci, that man. Yep. I don't know how he did it, but... I don't either. It's maybe his best performance. 
Yeah, I don't think it's quite as good as Tommy, but it's close. Yeah. I don't think it's quite there. It's a little more nuanced than Tommy, though. Certainly. Yeah, I feel like it's a little more complicated of a performance. Well, it's certainly a different gear for him. It's something we haven't seen yeah. out of him before. Yeah. Uh, question for you. Yeah. Did you feel a slight obligation to put this on your top 10? <laughs> what do you mean? You mean like, I did I not want to at any point? Did you feel like you had to? No, I want it. I was like, yeah, this is genuinely my number six. Okay. I am kind of worried. Now, I, I don't know if this is, I, I don't know. It, it's on my list as well. It is in my top five. I fear that I'm going to revisit this movie three years from now and be like, oh, what was I talking about? Uh-huh. Like, what, what, is it possible that we were all swept up by the moment and the fact that Martin Scorsese was making his magnus opus, and the fact that De Niro and Pacino and Pesci were together again and that the critics loved it and that the Oscars love it? And is it possible that this is an emperor's new clothes situation? And the answer to that, sir, is Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it absolutely. Is. Because it's not even his best film of the 2010s, as far as I'm Yeah, concerned. I don't think so either. Honest, I think Silence Honestly, is I like Silence a lot more. Yeah. 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 I would put it maybe at number two. Wolf of Wall Street could possibly jump it at some point. Hugo's better than this. And you think Hugo's better yeah, as well. Hugo's better than this. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, another Netflix movie came out last year called Roma. Similar stuff happened with Roma. We put it both in our top tens. We assumed the Oscars would give it best picture. People were applauding it like no tomorrow. And then we quickly forgot about it. And I personally, I looked at my top 100 list of the decade and it was like eh, around the 60, 70 range. And yeah. no one's talking about it. I haven't seen it on any end of decade list. No, but this is the problem with Netflix is that it kind of makes things forgettable. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like there's something about the nature of that. There's nothing there's it's not an experience watching this movie other than I'm trying to, you know, fight the urge to not get up out of my chair. Yeah. I and I don't know. This is my issue when movies like this get released on Netflix is that it just kind of takes away from what it would have been if I saw it in the theater. Yeah. I I don't I yeah, I I stand by I don't think this should have been on Netflix at all. Yeah. And Scorsese agrees with you too. Yeah. So. Um yeah, I, I, uh, I. There was no universe where I wasn't gonna like this movie. Um, and it's a good movie. It's yeah, a, don't get me wrong. It's a good movie. It's you know, it's a very good movie. Uh, and I will just say I have it at number four on my list. Okay. Um, but you know, there are three movies that I like better. And yeah, it's possible. It's possible that the mystique will, will, uh, will wear off in a few years. Yeah, maybe. Nah, I'm, I think it will. I hope not, though. Yeah, we'll see. I hope I see this for the fifth time, and I'm like, wow, I discovered something new. Maybe. I don't know. Also, that de-aging is not going to age that well. Oh, well, I just, I no rewatched it recently, and I found it distracting. Yeah. Eh, yeah, this is a problem. Cast young actors. I don't care. Just do it. Yeah. Because it's not, the technology is going to get better, and that is going to look terrible. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. The De Niro stomping the guy on the curb was not great. Yeah. That scene. It's actually pretty terrible. Yeah. Cringeworthy. It's like, who's this old man who who has a lot of makeup on to make himself look young? And then Pacino, like, slamming the desk in his office. It's all right. That one, too. It's like, what are you doing here? I just thought that was just a big miscalculation. They really shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Pacino's not great in this movie, let's be honest. He's fine. He's okay. He's done this so But many he has times. done this, yes, you're correct. This is all Pesci. This is Pesci's movie. 
Yeah, I yeah. demand that Pesci wins the Oscar for this man. I, I will really be disappointed if he doesn't. It's a staggering performance. Like, again, for reasons you don't expect, and I just I couldn't get enough of him. And I said this when we talked about the film, is that every time he left the screen, I just wanted him to come back. Yep. So. All right. Listen to our Irishman podcast if you want more of that. Yeah. Still a great movie. I don't want to like be playing devil's advocate on this. No, I no. I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's really fucking good. But I don't think it's a masterpiece, but okay. it's pretty damn close. My next... All, pretty much all five my top five is essentially masterpiece after masterpiece yeah and I will say this about my top five as well this was the easiest top five mm-hmm. I, I've ever had to compile yeah. there were only five movies that could have made it here and uh, the order can change day to day really fucking good this is an, a solid top five uh, so should I do my number five then since that was yours or that was your number six right number six yeah okay so my number five again this could have been number two just as easily. It just happens to be the movie that I felt least strongly about. Uh, it's Parasite. Cool. Parasite's my number five. Is it on your list? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Bong Joon-ho directs South Korean movie. Uh, I won't say what it's about no. other than a family that does some sketchy shit. <laughs> Hard to talk about. Uh, I think everybody should see this one, though. Yeah. In the realm of like thrillers that came out. And like, and I've said it like a million times now, but like Hitchcockian thrillers in the purest sense. I mean, this thing is kind of a cliche that phrase. But I know, it's appropriate, very true here. And it, this movie's just awesome. Yeah, it's so fucking awesome, and it's a weird kind of draws outside of the line character study. <laughs> but oh my god, I mean, an interesting social commentary too, which sometimes bothers me in Bones films. But this was actually. Uh, tastefully handled yeah it was subtle yes subtle enough i guess yes it did like like the parts that it was criticizing didn't piss me off it wasn't exactly i mean yeah subtle enough is is accurate where it's you know it's not like you know i don't know it goes over your head with its with how nuanced it's trying to be it's like you know like again it's a thriller it's supposed to be a little more expressive than that so i was perfectly fine with that let me say this it's more subtle than knives out yeah (laughs) knives out had some pretty heavy-handed social yeah that was getting a little frustrating (laughs) yeah that was a movie that just like begged to be talked about on on like politic twitter and everyone was like okay we'll kind of talk about you whatever (laughs) essentially what happened yeah uh i just i appreciate and respond to something like parasite a lot more which is a thriller first and a piece of social commentary second yes i do wonder if some of the context has been lost on us since it's a foreign movie and it might have more to do with the political the political and social structure yeah. of South Korea as opposed to here. But I still think it resonates with you if you're an an American viewer and even if like you're not into foreign movies because you find them slow and boring and you don't enjoy reading them <laughs> uh like just overcome that bias for this movie because it's super fucking entertaining. Yeah. And it's a real like populist enjoyable Hollywood blockbuster. Yep. It's really good, man. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if you said that, but this movie is gorgeous to, just to behold. It's one of those movies where it's like, yeah, there's not one bad shot in this. Like, Bong Joon-ho is, like, putting on film school. It No, it's... it's Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable calling it a masterpiece. One of his masterpieces. He probably has two at this point. Do you like... Uh, what is it? Memories of Murder? Memories of Murder, like, is considered to be, like, his, like, greatest film. Okay. So... There's that. I, I as much as I love Snowpiercer, I wouldn't call that a masterpiece. No, that's a movie that's rough around the edges. Yeah, yeah. I like Ocha though. Ocha's very good. Yeah. Is this his best one of the ones you've seen? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan. I, I admit that, but I haven't seen a lot of these. Yeah. So, 
uh, you should explore a little bit. Yeah, maybe I will one day. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... The guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, you can tell. There's just such a mastery to this. And, like, the choreography, the blocking, the mm. cinematography here. Yeah. It's like the camera is always at the right spot. Oh, yeah. At any given time. He gives you a sense of place in this house and... Uh, it's incredible. I mean, the geography too. I mean, that when you're talking about the sense of place, like knowing where everything is at every time, just makes it that much more tense too. Very important to movies like this. It's something Brian De Palma talks about a lot. Like, just know your space, yeah, and and how you can move around it, and how you can move your characters around, and the audience is going to be like on the edge of their seats and just biting their nails the whole time. It's great. It's okay. a fantastic movie. All right, number five for you. As is this movie, by the way. Uh huh. Uncut Gems. Okay. It's my number five. You saw this one today. Only because I just saw it. It, I mean, give it like two more hours. I might bump it up to number one. I don't know. <laughs> it's very good. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, of course, the Safdie brothers. Uh, it, it might as well be an, uh, a sequel to Good Time, <laughs> yeah. a, a spiritual sequel. Yeah, sure. Um, and this is just an anxiety stricken thriller about a degenerate gambler, and Adam Sandler is just fucking let loose in this movie. <laughs> it is so. It's incredibly entertaining and tense and funny and like kind of sexy. And I really like that about the movie. It's, well, what's her face is very sexy. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, uh, Julia something. There's Adina Menzel. Who's okay. Who's pretty good in the movie. And then, um, the, the Julia Fox. Yeah. Yeah. First time actress. Oh my God. Never really? been anything. She's awesome. Yeah. She's really fucking good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this movie is like music. It's and uh, to speak on the music, it's literally like a Vangelis score, which is making me very happy. It just feels like if Blade Runner were going to be an action movie, that's what the score would sound like because <laughs> this movie's like has entire tones that sound like it's exactly from that world. Mm-hmm. It's, it's dope, uh, and this movie just crescendos to just oh my god, just like the most crushing finale, and it's just awesome. I loved it. Um, loved it. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. So, all right, that was your number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five, Parasite. Uh, my number four was The Irishman, and your number four, sir, The Lighthouse. Okay, number four is The Lighthouse, which we talked about already. Yeah, I don't know if we want to go over it again, but I didn't. I I was on the fence whether or not I loved the movie when I first saw it, and I've grown to say, yep, I I I love it. It's a masterpiece in every sense. So far, this isn't so bad. No, no, it's not going to be that well. No, you- I, I know what's coming. Don't worry. I know the bomb that is about to be dropped, and I am attempting to make peace with it. That there's a movie that you have left off this list entirely. And um, again, I have to make peace with that. <laughs> but I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah. I think at this point, you know that. <laughs> yeah, point, I'm, pretty, I am, I'm putting the pieces up. together. I know where this is going. Yeah. Uh, but it's okay. Okay. I will forgive you eventually. Maybe not today, but I'll forgive you eventually. <laughs> All right, uh, number three for me then, right? Yeah. Okay, then let's do this right now. Uncut Gems is my number three. Yeah. Okay, uh, so if if I may have the floor. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, do you know who Mike Francesa is, Adam Hall? No. Okay, Mike Francesa is the voice of New York sports, essentially. Okay. Is uh, an, a, a sports commentator, or I guess former sports commentator, because he just retired two weeks ago. On WFAN, the biggest sports uh, radio station in the world, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, was on a show called Mike and the Mad Dog back in the 90s. Completely reinvented New York sports. Okay. Mike Francesa plays Adam Sandler's bookie in this movie. I see. Okay. When I heard that piece of casting news, that's enough to get me in the door. <laughs> but we'll go on. 
there's a scene between Adam Sandler and his bookie, Mike Francesa, in which they discuss a potential parlay that Adam <laughs> Sandler is about to submit. Uh, that parlay is six legs, is six-legged, I should say, includes Celtics tip-off, Celtics first-half points, Kevin Garnett rebounds and assists, Kevin Garnett points, and Celtics to win the game and to cover minus one. Now, that is enough of an insane sports bet to also get me in the <laughs> But then a third thing happens. Pay attention very closely, uh-huh, Adam. Uh-huh, Try uh-huh, to keep uh-huh. up with me. Okay. Adam Sandler mentioned something called the lightning bet. Yeah. Now, understand, the lightning bet is something so mythological in the world of sports betting. It is so in the weeds, so fucking specific. I don't know how Josh and Benny Safdie even heard about this thing. I only heard about this thing because I was listening to a gambling podcast where Artie Lang talked about losing $100,000 with Norm MacDonald on a lightning bet. Oh my here's, here's the lightning bet. Ready? You bet $100 per point on something or $1,000 per point. In this case, Adam Sandler actually bet $1,000 per point on the over-under of the Celtics game. Over-under is the amount of points that both teams are going to score together in that game. So in a basketball game, the over-under might be something like 210, right? 120 to 110. If that's the final score, then the total goes over, right? Here's the thing. If you want to bet the lightning bet, you bet $100 a point. Every point the total goes over, you make $100. So if the total goes over 120, let's say it goes over by 30 points, you make $30,000 on that particular bet. But if the total goes under, you lose $1,000 the other way plus an extra 10%, which means you could lose, in the case of Artie Lang and Norm MacDonald one day, $100,000 on one fucking bet after betting an initial $1,000. Okay. This bet is so insane, (laughs) so financially unsound, and it's so unpredictable from both the better's point of view and the bookie's point of view that it's impossible to find. The greatest gambling experts on the planet have tried tracking down this bet and cannot find a casino, sportsbook, or bookie that will take it. Okay. Josh and Benny Safdie did their fucking research on this, dude. Yeah, they did. And you can feel that in the movie. Holy shit. Um, this movie was made for me. Yeah, I, I was watching it and just thinking that they should have just titled it Nico DiGregorio. <laughs> the Nico DiGregorio story. The Nico DiGregorio movie. <laughs> The only thing that I don't, I can't relate to is the fact that Howard Ratner is Jewish. Everything else I understand. <laughs> I understand obsession with New York sports. Yeah. I understand morning AM uh, sports drive radio. I understand gambling addicts. This movie made me want to get into jewelry. Like, I, I watched this movie. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should become a jeweler. Maybe I got to start inspecting some stones, man. How many carrots does that watch have in it? Oh, boy. Do you understand the next day? So I watched this a couple days before Christmas. Oh, yeah. Christmas Day, six NBA games going on. Yep. My brother and I did a six-way <laughs> parlay in honor of this movie. Yeah, after you had put off gambling for, like, most of the year. <laughs> this movie, it's just, it, you, like, relapsed is what it is. We were betting on the total points of the backup point guard for the L.A. Clippers. We bet the over on his total and lost on it. <laughs> this movie is fucking made for me, man. This yeah. movie's incredible. I, I, I cannot say enough about, number one, how incredible Adam Sandler is in this. He, he's awesome. He's not going to get nominated for an Oscar, and that's a goddamn shame. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. 
He did not get a Golden Globe nomination. Dude, he's really fucking good he's in this really movie. Good in this. He's really good in this movie. And I don't want people to like look at this and think, oh my God, it's Adam Sandler. How, uh, how could this be any good? And n- no, it's when, when, we, when people are telling me it's one of the best performances of the, the year, I mean, they're not kidding. They're not. They're not kidding. I mean, I, again, it's, it's incredible to see this guy go to this place. And yeah. I say that a lot, but I mean, it, there's something about it being Adam Sandler this time around that just makes it all the more profound. Yeah. He is incredible in this movie. It's one of my favorite performances of the year. Yeah. There's so. something about his energy and it's just like a specific Sandler vibe. It's perfectly cast. Yeah. Like it's one of those roles where it's like you could not pick anybody else. I mean, the Safties are so fucking good at that. Yeah. I mean, Adina Menzel is perfectly cast in mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mike Francesa has a small role, but he's actually really good as the bookie. Yeah. And for a guy that's never acted before. No. No, uh, everybody's like kind of firing on all cylinders Lakeith here. Lakeith Stanfield, yeah. super fun. I wanted yeah. more of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Garnett is good. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, what is he doing? He's doing a good job. Like, what? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, that role was supposed to be played by a number of... Uh, different basketball players. At first, it was going to be a guy named Amari, Star- Amari Stoudemire, who was a Nick, and that uh, made a little more sense because uh, it's see, actually see, a see. New York movie. Uh, he dropped out. Kobe Bryant was in the mix for a while, okay. but then Kobe dire- uh, demanded that he direct the movie. <laughs> okay. So they were like, fuck off, Kobe. You're not doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they finally land on Kevin Garnett, who is a Celtic player, and it's kind of weird. You know, it's a New York sports movie about a Celtic player, but it takes the sports so seriously. Yeah. It takes the stats so seriously. They situate the plot of the movie around an actual series and actual basketball stats. Mm-hmm. And the way that they're able to weave it in, uh, you know, the Safties just, there's so much passion in this movie. Yeah. You know, there's so much authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's such a great basketball stats movie, gambling movie, a great New York movie. You know, there's actually yeah, a moment. It was, it was kind of funny because again, you're right. The score is very off kilter. And Mike Francesa's in it, and all you know, all this great tapestry of the city, the Diamond District, is all in there. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, kind of weird. No fucking Billy Joel music yet. <laughs> and then, like five minutes later, <laughs> the Stranger starts playing, and I'm like, oh yeah, the Safties, so New York. They get it. They they totally get they t- it. They, they, but it feels as though they've lived this life, though. It's, it's just like so painstakingly real, and, and their father was a jeweler. It's just dirty for that reason too. Yeah, you know? it's like it, it, yeah, yeah. The the level of authenticity to this movie is actually kind of scary at times. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know. I can't recommend this movie enough. I loved it. Eric Bogosian Eric, shows yeah, up. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome as the brother. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but the comedy with that, how he's always trying to get the uh, the the autograph. Yeah. Everywhere. Oh, is that the brother? Yeah, it's the, the, the younger brother. Who is that? Who are you talking about? Uh, the, God, you know where they go to do the auction, and then Judd Hurst comes in, and he's got the guy with him. Uh, he needs to get uh, yes, the yes, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. But Eric Bogosian's his brother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's kind of a light spoiler for this movie, but yeah, yeah he's tremendous in it. Uh, the scene where they're trying to get the door open. Oh yeah, yeah, so fucking good, dude. Oh, this movie, but like I said, like just this, you're going to be sweating watching this movie. Yeah, and it's it, not for the light of heart. It builds, though. Again, if you want a movie that just knows how to build tension, like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's actually deeply unsettling, in my opinion. Yeah. It's not one that I would recommend to anybody who's prone to, like, anxiety attacks. Yeah. For real. Like, this movie it was, is nuts. Yeah. So. Um, it's like the third act of Goodfellas, just for two hours. That's <laughs> how I took it. Yeah. Yeah. As the helicopter's chasing him. It is a coked out fever dream. It's kind of weird psychedelic movie. Yeah. But it's great. Um, yeah. 
a couple nitpicks. Um, they go to Mohegan Sun in this movie. Which we discussed. Yeah, Mohegan Sun would not accept that bet. No. You can't play sports bets in Mohegan Sun. I know that because I've tried, and you can't. Yeah. So, well, shame on you. Nico. Sports gambling not legal in Connecticut, and uh, no, can't do it. But that's more of an outsider thing. It's the movie. They should have went to Atlantic City. Is my only point. It's the movie. If they had flown to Atlantic City, that would have been okay. <laughs> that's a nitpick right there, though. Yes, you're, it's you're, a tiny you're, you're nitpick. Correct. You're correct. It took me out of the movie just because I know that because I've placed many a bets at Mohegan Sun, and you cannot bet sports. You can bet horses. You can bet dogs, which I have done. Can't do that, Mohegan Sun. All right. Um. Yeah, that that's all I have. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's about <laughs> my nitpick was that uh, the Julia girl got to uh, Mohican Sun way too fast, even by helicopter. I was like, I don't know, I don't know about that, dude. When I but whatever, I'm watching this movie with like maybe what was it six seven guys in the room with me. We we got a no, we got a less than legal stream of this movie, and we watched it. <laughs> all basketball fans, all yeah. gamblers, uh, all guys that uh, you know. Would enjoy a movie starring Adam Sandler and Kevin Garnett. Um, and when we realized what Howard was about to do with the handoff, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, hands were in our, our <laughs> or rather, palms <laughs> palms were on our foreheads. It was crazy. It doesn't let up, though. I the was like. Weekend. The scene with the weekend. It's like, my God, stop, dude. Stop it. It was. <laughs> I love when he's walking out and the girlfriend comes up to him and goes, uh, hey, I got to talk to you. And he goes, no, <laughs> I just want to talk to you. Oh, you were in such a rush to get over here. You stopped for a smoothie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that scene is great. And he knocks it out of her hand. When she gets the tattoo. Oh, God. That's oh, so Howie. <laughs> you don't like it? No, I love it, but I'm not deserving. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's a great line. The Keith Stanfield killing the fish. The fish, the goldfish in the cup. Get a net! <laughs> great character, man. Oh, my God. Dude, I fucking love everything. I'm going to watch this movie a thousand times before I die. No, oh, no, I might. Yes. I'm going to watch this so many times. It's one of those movies I watch it. I'm, I'm instantly in love. Yeah. This movie's fucking incredible, dude. It's like my Francis, huh? Sounds like sure. Where it's like I saw it immediately and then I watched it again. I knew. No, I've seen it twice in a week. There you go. Mm. Saw it twice. So so good and great ending too. Yes. Oh God. Best ending of the year. Uh. Maybe. Okay. All right. What do you like better, this or Good Time? This. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm not sure if that's my bias though. This is great. No, it's a great film. Even as someone who's not a gambler, I'm just like, it just works. Okay. This movie just is, it's jazzy as hell. I love it. Uncut Gems. What a score. Yeah. What yeah. a score. Yeah. <laughs> what a movie. Yeah. It's, a, it's great, dude. I'm not, I, it, it got me. I didn't resurface anything. <laughs> uh, when they so the Safties, when, by the way, listen to, I'm sorry to go on and on about this. Uh, Listen to the PTA Safdie podcast, A24, did uh-huh. a sit down with them. Yeah. Uh, apparently, like, the Safdies, first of all, they don't do uh, blocking at all. They just let their actors walk around. Mm-hmm. Um, they, like, flooded the the uh, the edit with, like, uh, ADR tracks. Apparently, they, like, shot the movie with dialogue and then wrote an additional 50 pages of dialogue oh. just for the background actors to like just oh. have talking going on in the background 
just to give you that sense of anxiety. Uh-huh. So everybody, it's because a New York City movie, there's a million conversations happening on top of each other. So it's one of like the most difficult sound engineering jobs ever. Okay. Uh, I can see how that would work, yeah. Yeah. And they just like threw in a bunch of people that have never acted before into this movie. There's a scene at Mohegan's Sun where there's a man explaining to Adam Sandler's girlfriend the bet that she just made. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. They're sitting down. So that guy was playing craps the night before with Josh Safdie oh. at Mohegan. And they were like, they got on a roll together and they made a lot of money and they started talking. And he's like, yo, I'm like shooting a movie tomorrow. You want to be in it? Adam <laughs> Sandler's in it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so that night he went up to the hotel room and just wrote dialogue for that character. What the hell? And just made the movie. And there's just a million stories like that. His son in the movie never acted before. Random kid that they just found in the Diamond District. And he's good. Yeah. The Safties. Not bad. These guys are the real deal, dude. Gotcha. These guys are the real deal. Okay. Fucking love this movie. Yeah, I'm impressed. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, num- my number three is Parasite. But okay. We talked about that. So <laughs> good job, Parasite. <laughs> You're great. KG! Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Where's the stone? KG's got it. KG's got it. Enough, Nico. Jesus. <laughs> Love it! I know you do. Oh, I wish we did two hours on Uncut Gems. You know what? I'm moving it up on the list. It's number two now. <laughs> <laughs> number just, two. Just talking about it. What's what? What? What was your number two? We'll talk about it now. I guess. Should I say it? Okay. Number two is Marriage Story. Number two is Marriage Story for me as well. All right. High five. Ah, uh, oh, that was a terrible shit one. Uh, oh, I'm going lefty on the that. The problem is I'm, I'm not a switch hitter, dude. No. There you go. Yeah, solid. Marriage Story, what a fucking movie. What a movie. Noah Baumbach directs. Great. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson star. Incredible. Uh, we just talked about this movie a few weeks ago. Yes. Uh, what do you gl- want to say about it? I don't know. It's 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 a movie that has uh, I, I'm just gotten better and better the more it's sat with me. And uh, Oh, my God. It's like... It's a crushing movie. Yeah, it's so sad, but in, but it's everything. <laughs> it's it's everything. It's a it's uh, it's one of the better um, versions of this story and handling of this material. And it's all it's it's almost this high on this list just because of Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've I've kind of already said my piece with this film. You know, I just kind of love pretty much everything about it. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, I think, one of the three best performances of the decade. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. Uh, we've talked about this already. I was blown away by him. Yep. Um, I have seen some criticisms on Twitter. Twitter is not a good place to read. I would recommend staying off of that thing. But there is some cynicism around this movie, particularly those two lead performances, which I think some people have accused of being stagey. And a little over the top and pronounced. The argument scene in particular, which I think is just a flooring work of acting. Some have said, oh, it feels like I'm on Broadway watching this. Uh, No. And I'm not sure that's really a legit criticism. No, I just disagree with it. Yeah. That's not what it feels like. (laughs) Yeah. No, it just feels like you're, you know, in the middle of the room in between those characters and, you know, caught in their horrible anger storm that they're throwing at each other. Yeah. And it's very raw and real, and you would swear that both of these actors were that pissed off at each other. I don't know. 
It's great. Yeah, I'm 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 with you entirely. I think also like some of it is oh, one's an actress and one's a director. Like who cares about these privileged people? I and I'm like, well, no, that's the guy's story, man. That's yeah. Noah Baumbach's story. Yeah, and this isn't even like a like the the most like successful director ever. Yeah, like this this particular character. Right. I mean, these guys. I mean, the whole movie's about him kind of struggling to just pay his lawyers. So. Right. And Scarlett Johansson, like, she made a pilot. I mean, yeah. she's a massive superstar actress. Yeah. She did some Broadway and is going to be, like, on the Big Bang Theory for another 10 years. And yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say a movie about Kaylee Cuoco is, <laughs> would be uncompelling because she's too famous. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just people. Yeah. That's not the point. I, you're completely missing it if you're getting hung up on those details. Yeah. Yeah. It's just what the director, like, what Noah Baumbach knows, so... Do you like Francis Ha more? Personally, yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's a better movie, but uh, I just adore everything about that movie. Yeah. It's more me, though. I wondered the first time if I was overreacting, and then I watched it a second time, mm-hmm. and it was just as powerful, and I put it at, I think, number 14 on my decade list. And, Whoa. Uh, okay. And do you think that's too high, too low? And Maybe a little high. A little high? I never put movies that just came out that like that high. Like not I, top, And I was worried about not that. Not in the top 20, but it... it It'd, it'd sit com- it'd be in the top 50 comfortably, I think. Okay. I might be okay with that. Okay. Well, it's number two in the year. Yeah. I mean, there's only 10 years, right? I know. But, I mean, there are many movies that I like more than this. Okay. Many in, like, Denis' filmography that I like more than this, but... We know you and Denis. Yeah. So... Okay. Well, even a few Tarantinos that I like more than this. But, okay. It's, but it's excellent. Yeah, there's one Tarantino in particular I like more than this. I wonder what that might what? be. What could it What could it be? Kill Bill Volume 2. I like Kill Bill Volume 2. <laughs> I love the scene where she digs herself out of her own grave. Yeah, it's great. I thought that was very she, empowering. Where she punches the, the, the coffin, you know, wiggle your big toe. That's in the first one. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the first one. I love the I love those movies. Yeah, they're fine. I just, you know. They're not your kind of films. Though. No. Death Proof's pretty good, too. Other than that, I, nothing else comes to mind. <laughs> no other movies? Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah, okay. Um... All right, so number one is a movie that's not on your list. No. What? It's not on my list. Oh, okay. No, oh, don't. No, oh, don't. It's indeed not on your list. It's indeed not not, not on my list. Yes. Okay. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> or worry if you want. <sighs> it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I've seen it three times now. And I've seen it twice. Um, first time I saw it, I adored it. Second time I saw it, um, I thought, oh, wow, this is really something special. And third time, I'm like, yeah, I think this is like one of my favorite movies ever made. Well, and I'm very sorry for the hyperbole. And I don't normally do this. Um, but this movie is so full of life and and so big and profound and uh, magical for me. And I don't experience that often in the theater. It's very rare. I am not a sucker for spectacle. Okay. I know you can be. I'm not. I think this is the experience that you had watching Blade Runner or watching Mad Max for the first time. You're not a sucker for spectacle? No, I wouldn't say so. You like Dunkirk? I do like Dunkirk. It's the- yeah, there's, there's another one I, I thought was uh, appropriately large. Okay. You're weird. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold your fucking horses. Stop. Don't act like like you're Mr. Oh, I'm so cool and indie and Nico is the loves blockbusters guy. Because that just ain't true, dude. Please. 
you're not accusing me of, of being a sucker for spectacle. Name like three other movies that I love like this. That are big like this? Yeah. Uh, well, The Last Jedi. But I like The Last Jedi too. But there are many people that who subscribe to us that would probably disagree. That was your number one of 2017. I don't dig your tone right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, like you, you, you can admit that you like spectacle. I don't. I, I, <laughs> I like spectacle. I like good spectacle. Okay. I can like spectacle. I spectacle is not like the end all be all for me. I didn't say that. I just said you like spectacle. I'm a dialogue guy, dude. You know me. I, but you know, you like some spectacle. I just feel like <laughs> okay, we've talked about this. You saw Blade Runner, and you were like, whoa. Yes. And you saw Mad Max. You were like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could have had that same experience, and I didn't. And I had that experience this time. Strangely, though. And, I don't get... See, this is the thing okay. I don't understand. Okay. But... What don't you understand about it? Like how you... Like the like the whoa quality to this film. Because after seeing it uh, twice now and going out of my way to buy the movie just to watch it, which, again, it was a weird experience because I, I like the movie. I've talked about the fact that I like the movie uh, and it's deserving to be talked about as an auteur piece. I I'm, I I don't know, though. It's it's because, it, you know, I don't know. It doesn't feel as alive to me. You know, I think that, you know, it's a very fat movie, in my opinion. I think that it's padded out quite quite extensively and it was funny because when i rewatched it there were things that i didn't like the first time that i appreciated more but then there were also other things that i liked the first time that i didn't like as much the second time like it was like a flip-flop uh the, the some of the scenes where the people walking around and just taking in the the vibe i sort of appreciated a bit more uh -huh. which is what i liked but like i i don't like brad pitt in the movie wow i, I watched it as like he ain't working for me. Wow. Like almost completely. I was like every, pretty much every scene he was in, I was like, eh, where's Leo? You know, uh, I hate to say, and I, I feel, I felt bad admitting it, admitting it to myself because I really liked him the first time and he's not bad in the movie, but the scenes themselves just said nothing to me. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate like the fringe element of it, how they're using these characters to tell these points. I just, I think I got it out of Leo's character. I don't know. Oh wow! I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I, it's another movie that I want to love more than I do. It, it not, not maybe not nearly to the extent of like Inglorious Bastards, but uh, yeah, there's just a lot here that that still doesn't work for me. I think it's a good movie. Like I said, I don't. I mean, I'm not like mad at you for putting it at your number one or anything. It's just I don't know. It's it's still doesn't really resonate with me. And even after thinking about it for a while, I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. But it's a respectable movie, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to process the fact that you don't like Brad Pitt in this. Yeah. I, I, that I don't, I really don't understand. Mm. I seriously don't, because he's probably going to win the Oscar and I yeah. won't have much of a gripe. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, no, his scenes ain't working for me. I was, uh, I was very upset. I, don't, I seriously don't get it. Very upset. I think Leo is tremendous as well, and I think like I would consider giving both of them a shiny yeah. trophy. I, I would. I, I think they're both mesmerizing, and I think Margot was mesmerizing in this. Um, it's also like the type of movie you say that the more you've watched, sort of the less you've seen, and the more I've watched it, the more I've seen. Yeah, that's funny. the more alive it feels. Uh, it's like. Uh, 
you know, I've picked up more details. I think the movie is a lot more rich. The text is a lot more rich than you're willing to give it credit for. I don't know. Like, I watched that final scene. And I didn't like the final scene was the thing. See, I, which I like. I appreciate, like, like the, the, the sort of transcendent elements of it where it, 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 it it sort of makes the, the 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 point about like it was funny when I rewatched the ending. I sort of read it as that as though uh, the filmmaker wants you to admit to yourself that the ending was kind of bullshit. Yeah, which I kind of liked, and there's sort of like an ascending into heaven quality when that's he exactly op- what I when he op- the third when time. he opens the gates. Right, and I like that. I was like, oh, that's that's interesting, and I like like the very end. I'm I'm not so much referring to that part. It's more yeah. of the the Manson killing parts because I think I doubled down on what I was saying the last time. I was like. Yeah, they just killed a bunch of punks. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the scene seemed a little... You're not the only one to, to, you know, make that criticism. But I also don't... I don't know, man. I mean, I get it. Like, like, I'm, like, so, like, half and half with this movie is the thing. Yeah. It's like, I completely understand where you're talking about, but my experience with it doesn't say that. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the difference here is, b- between something like Inglorious Bastards and this, mm-hmm. is that the Nazis are the Nazis, and, you know, no one will ever... Uh, gag over bodily harm done to Nazis. Yeah. And I think in this movie, whether it's like our familiarity with the Manson case or the the fact that we don't teach the Manson case in elementary school and like the Manson family is not synonymous with evil the way that the Nazis are, uh, I, I think that's part of it. But I also think like they're kids and they're women and I think like uh-huh. people have had sort of an adverse reaction to watching little girls get yeah. beat up I'm not like offended by yeah, it I'm just like I, no I think and I'm not saying you are um, I don't view it the same way uh, I view it as actually quite cathartic and sincere and sentimental and that's Oddly. the other thing that just really enraptured me with this movie is how fucking sentimental Quentin Tarantino was here yep um, and it's just a movie that is filled with so much love and adoration of a specific time yep and, um, you know, that like weirdly gets me emotional when I watch it now, mm-hmm. like just thinking about young Quentin in the video store, dreaming this thing up and writing this script and, you know, learning more about these characters. Uh, that's my shit, man. Yeah, that's my shit. It feels like the film that he's most in love with, which is why I, I kind of thought it was maybe one of his most indulgent films. Yeah. Like, like not in the way that you would expect, though, is what I'm saying. You call it indulgent. I call it lovely. So, yeah, tomato, tomato, I suppose. You are much more of a Tarantino fan than I am. And I think this really solidified that. <laughs> I was and in the little girl as well. That was another thing where I'm like, Yeesh. really? It's like. This girl is such a Tarantino character, to, almost to the point where it's distracting. Because I like kind of like their banter at first, but then I, I watched it again. And I'm like, eh, I don't buy you. I don't. I thought believe. she was great in that scene. She's not bad, but I don't know. I don't. I never exactly. <laughs> it's it felt felt like a little like bullshit that a kid would do that. I don't know. I I, I had trouble picturing it. Although Leo in the scene is just I, again just. I hate saying this because Leo is so fucking good at the movie. There's nothing wrong with his performance in the movie. It's excellent. What's Adam Driver's name in Marriage Story? Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Well, I don't know. What's Leo's name in this movie? It's Rick. Okay. Dalton. Yeah. Okay. That means something too, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. This is a movie that's going to age very well. I think so. Maybe. And it's because these characters are so well realized and they're now in my brain. Mm-hmm. Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. I I saw this movie for the first time seven months ago and I know those characters like their old friends. Yeah. Like yeah. I've seen, you know, it's like 
it's like Tommy and Henry and fucking Goodfellas, man. Like, I just know those names because I've seen it a hundred times. This but, movie has the same familiarity to me. Those are just iconic names, though. I mean, Stuntman Mike is not a name that I'm forgetting. Yeah. That's not like a great I don't name. think that's quite the same thing here, though. Mm. I don't think it's the name itself. I think it's that these characters are so well drawn and constructed. Yeah. I do like Stuntman Mike. <laughs> great character, too. Yes. <laughs> Kurt Russell, baby. So. Okay, uh, that's my piece. Uh, and now you're going to say something um, that I'm not prepared for. Go ahead. Number one for you. Do you know what this is? I do. Yeah? Have you seen this movie? I have. <laughs> that movie is The Nightingale. I watched it two days ago. Yeah. Because I had a feeling it would come up. <laughs> my number one is absolutely 100% The Nightingale. Because, yep, it's the only movie that I saw this year that made me go, whoa. Okay, yep, this is what movies are all about. Those are always my number ones, and yep, this film has stuck with me since I saw it, and I... You need to explain what this is, I think. It is a revenge story about um, an Irish convict who's turned into a slave, essentially, for some um, English soldiers in Tasmania, which is under a different name at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, 1825 is the year it was set. Yep. And... Uh, early on in the movie, she is violently raped, and her husband. Let's not say what happens. It's not let's really a spoiler. Not say what happens. Not really a spoiler. Let's say. <laughs> let's just say something with... bad happens. There's no reason. No reason to do this. All right. Well, so, I'm sticking with violently raped because it's already out. Yes. There. Uh, and then a few other things happen, and it's pretty horrible, and it's pretty tough to watch, and it sets in motion this kind of epic revenge. Uh, story that you know spans cross country as this woman and uh, a tracker go looking for the Englishman who did these horrible things to her and it's uh, I think it's perfect I don't think there's anything wrong with this movie I saw this movie and I thought every decision was exactly what it should have been I love the 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 path of these characters and ultimately how they, they they end on their choices and whether or not the revenge is worth it or how they get revenge in the end uh, and what the action means to the girl versus the tracker and why he, she's able to do what she does in the end and why he has to do what he does in the end. And I just think it's it, for as ugly as the film starts out. I think it's just like, like monumentally beautiful, especially with that ending. And uh, I was, yeah, I just emotionally shook by, by the beginning, middle and end of everything. It's got a funny structure, but that kind of worked for me. What do you mean by funny structure? Well, because the, the, the finale, what you would think would be the finale kind of happens like, like more by the end of like the second act, oddly, like the, the confrontation, which, which we all kind of expect to happen in these movies. And Which scene? Be, be vague. Um, well, she uh, sees the guy again for the first time. The guy who did these horrible things. To oh, okay. Her. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Because I remember watching it, watching it and thinking like, oh my God, we're getting to the end. Oh, right. Okay. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it doesn't happen at all. Got you. Got you. At got all, you. At all. Got you. And uh, I thought it was such an interesting choice. And I wondered where the hell is this movie going now? And... I, I thought, okay, maybe I don't want this, but ultimately where it ends up, I'm like, oh my God, I I, I think that was the, the best decision you could have made. With the speech that she delivers? Yeah. I I loved it. I, I absolutely adored it. 
Uh, and I love and, and even though the movie sort of has like a have its cake and eat it too part which comes next yeah I, I sort of saw that and I'm like no for his character it makes more sense and it so, seemed like something that needed to happen in, in the light of him and his nature and it was sort of a case of we have to do this because this person is sort of a monster he's not of this earth and I have to cleanse him yeah he's literally not of this earth yeah. um, it's um, <laughs> that fucking guy man <sighs> Man, I have a hard time talking about this without spoiling it. Okay. Yes. Jennifer Kent directs. Um, this is a movie that sort of came and went. The same woman that did The Babadook, yep. which is a movie you love from a few years ago. Um, a bunch of people are in it that you've never seen, except actually for the guy, Damon Harriman, who plays Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, He's in I know. This movie. I know. Uh, other than that, I didn't recognize anybody in it. Um, it's on Hulu. Yep. So watch it if you'd like. Uh, this villain is, it's too much. <laughs> it's, For you? It's, it's, it's too much. It, and I, I find the acts committed in this movie to be so unbelievably heinous. They are. I've never seen anything like this, as a matter of fact. Like, I've never seen anything this evil <laughs> for the sake of evil. Um, and right away I'm watching this. You didn't tell me to watch the movie. I watched it just on my own accord because I knew that this conversation would be happening. And I thought to myself, fuck Adam, even though you didn't ask me to watch it. And Why I don't did you watch you, it? I don't think you would have asked me because I knew that you were going to put it this high on the list and I wanted to make sure we could have a dialogue about uh, okay. it. Okay. So I did it just for this podcast and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, my God, Adam did this to me again without even knowing. <laughs> it. He gave me a second midsummer. Uh, it's not that bad. It, it's bad dude no it's really it's very unpleasant it's very 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 bad man no i disagree very yeah it is what do you mean you disagree yeah i completely disagree i didn't think it was as bad as midsummer at all man the things that happened to this young woman man the first half though but that's like literally the first 20 minutes and then it doesn't really happen again i mean there's a few other scenes but by that point you're just like so angry at this guy that it's a completely different experience and you're just waiting for him to just get what's coming to him by that point it's not like i'm not like at a certain point I, i i sort of stop being disturbed by it i'm just enraged by it but in yeah deliberately so sure and he's evil but i remember watching it and just because of his performance I and mean, the guy is incredible in the film i was just like it, it didn't seem unbelievable which is the thing that was the scare most scary about it yeah i completely bought into it and that's what was freaking me out so uh well, long story short, I don't really see what you see in this movie. <laughs> I, and I hate to say it, but oh, so fucking typical of us. We leave each other's number ones off the list. We agree, 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 agree. And then we get to number one and we just have these massive disagreements about it. Uh, I just think that this is a deeply unpleasant, cold... Uh, <laughs> I didn't find it that just, unpleasant aside from that first 20 minutes of him uh, being complete. I would watch it again. Man, I did not enjoy myself <laughs> at all. Yeah. I mean, there really wasn't anything I could sink my teeth into here. I Oof. just found this to be exploitative and uh, really. Yeah, I did. Ugh, I did. I'm going to completely disagree with you on that. I okay. didn't feel that way at even the, in the slightest because I've seen exploitative and this was not it at all. If anything, Antichrist is more exploitative. Yeah, okay. But, but some people would probably disagree <laughs> with that. That's one of those exploitative movies yeah. ever made. That movie's yeah. fucking horrible. I wouldn't even call that one totally exploitative. It's provocative, but... Um, I found the main character here, the woman whose name is Aisling, uh 
Frana Frana Soshi. Mm-hmm. She, I guess. Oh, she played Lyanna Stark in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, I did not think she was up to the task in this role. You didn't think she was like one of the best performances of the decade? No, because I did. Wow, I thought she was incredible. <laughs> You're, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I was bothered. I was bothered by how one note she played it. Whoa, no! Uh, she's a thousand times better than Margot Robbie in Once Upon a that's Time a in a Hollywood. That's a different fucking role. I don't relax. care. Come on. Yeah. No, that's that's a, a better than uh, put Margot Robbie in this. I'd have more confidence in her. All right. I would in You're, this role. Absolutely. No, I disagree. I think that she... Well, she kind of played that in Suicide Squad, didn't she? Okay, she... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) She does... She plays it with... And maybe this was intentional. She plays it with a lack of humanity, a coldness and darkness and just sort of full-fledged anger. Can you blame her? I found it a bit inauthentic, to be honest. I found it a bit inauthentic. I, I thought like the movie didn't allow her to grieve in the way that I think she should have. And like again, that is the choice. L- let me just say this. This is a Me Too movie about <laughs> yeah. women empowerment mm. that sort of skips over or yada yada's the trauma and goes straight for the revenge. And I I think for for a certain audience that's gonna feel cathartic. For me, that felt insincere. I didn't feel it as a Me Too movie. At all. Really? At all. What you are you talking re- about? Really? No. This couldn't have felt more disconnected from that. Wow. At I, all. What are you talking what, what about? What is your... I'm, I'm missing your hang-up. Where man. did you get the... Just because it was the about... The monologue a, at the end? Just because it was about a man saying... Like, like a, a, about a woman saying fuck you to a man that no, I don't need w- you? it's way more than that. It's about how she gets justice. It's about reclaiming her agency. I mean, What's wrong what, with that? No, but that... <laughs> No, to call it a Me Too movie is not to disparage it. I'm just saying that it, it deals with similar subject matter. It no, didn't I'm not, feel I'm not, like that no, at all. No, I'm not casting aspersions on the subject matter. I'm saying that is the subject matter. What I'm saying is that the way they tackled it felt a little hollow. I disagree. And inauthentic to me. You thought that that speech was not earned? What do you... What? I thought that they skipped over a... And this is purposeful on the part of yeah. Jennifer Kent. They specifically didn't yeah. want to make the woman a victim. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to simply make her an agent for revenge. Because in movies like this, if something like this was done to a man, he wouldn't be treated like a victim. He would be treated as a hero the same. And And I I understand the intention. What I'm saying, though, is the acts committed against her are so fucking heinous that to not give us that two to three minutes of grief felt to me hollow and inauthentic. Okay. (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) And I found her performance to be a little one-dimensional. Yikes. I just think you're wrong. I think she was more a an agent for female rage rather than a fully developed character. See, I, I just think she's wonderful. I don't know. She's so interesting, especially when you pair that with her feelings with the tracker, I guess. I yeah, don't know. That, that relationship was I cool. I thought it was great. And she, it's not like she has no moments to grieve because they do add those scenes like periodically and quite nicely. Where it's like she hasn't... Because <laughs> what happens to her is so horrible. It's just like, I don't, I don't know if it makes sense to just... I don't know. I have a scene where she's simply crying for three minutes. I don't know. That's not really what I mean, though. I, it's, I, it's, it's not necessarily about the screenwriting as much as it is. I don't want to see another scene of that. I'd rather her just be angry and go for it. And I think by the ending of it, 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 it makes more sense to me. Where it's like, like I, I don't know, where she's left off by the end of that. And when she's kind of looking back at, I don't know, everything that happened and everything that she ever wanted. 
I wouldn't exactly say that she's totally empowered by the ending of that. That's a very beautiful but kind of sad ending that that they gave us. That certainly injected her with all the humanity she could ever want. I don't know, man. The head full of steam, just constant, just state of rage that this girl was in just felt to me a little much. And this movie is full of that. This movie Her is baby of- was killed. Oh, fucking spoiler alert. I don't care. You're making me do it. Yeah, but I like you would be sad. Like your reaction wouldn't be to just storm out of there with your dead. I can't believe we're gonna spoil this movie so much. With your dead with husband? The, no, and with your the, dead with the, baby? No, you wouldn't fucking <laughs> storm out of there with a dead baby in your How hand. How do you know? No, I'd be like, hey, arrest this guy. No, that wouldn't be that. Your reaction would be to fucking kill ball. him. No, <laughs> I, I, I don't I, see that at all. I, Man, we had okay. I don't know. I just completely disagree with you. One of the reasons I loved it so much is because I'm like, oh, she's not actually like curling up in a ball and crying. Maybe that is my own bias. Maybe listen. Maybe that is my bias of just watching a ton of these movies, and I just assume something bad happens to a woman. The woman's got to spend 20 minutes crying, and maybe that's like sexism on my part, perhaps. But I also think that it was inauthentic to the way that human beings would actually behave in that situation. No, (laughs) because I I was like, no, I, I was waiting for a movie to say, be honest and say. Be angry. I've been waiting for a movie to do that. I don't know. It's it's just too weak. It, it, the it, the crying is too weak for me. And like I was also saying, uh, yeah, I, I it felt more authentic because she was so enraged. I don't know. It was a much better choice. <laughs> I have another weird filmmaking nitpick. I'm sorry. Yeah. But like, I don't understand the four by three ratio. <laughs> I never will, and I especially don't understand it in this movie where they don't even fill the frame in the right way. Like, if you're going to make a four by three movie, make it like the lighthouse with lots of close ups and lots of like square compositions. Don't just shoot a random movie in the woods in this weird aspect ratio for no fucking reason. That felt like another just like artsy fartsy choice for the sake of making it. There's nothing wrong with the aspect ratio. I it's didn't... fine. <sighs> it's fine. It's applicable to the time as well. Why? It's set... How? How is that? They do it. Well, t- nowadays it's used as a trend because it sets like a, it's like a period piece kind of thing. That's not so much like a, this movie problem. That's more of like this particular era of filmmaking. A lot of movies have been doing they that. They didn't have cameras in 1825, though. I, There's no re- They had cameras. They, they didn't, didn't have, have video. film. They didn't have there was no cameras. film in 1825. But that's what they're replicating, though. That's what they're doing. They're setting it, again, when we think of like an older time and place, it's like, oh, we'll maybe shoot it in a different aspect ratio to make you feel that sort of sense of closure. Little Women was set in the same century, and they shot it in widescreen, and there was nothing fucking wrong with it, man. I'm sure I, it's I, fine. It, 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 it put I don't me have, in that time and place in the exact same way that this movie did. You didn't have to do the four by three. I don't think it takes anything away from the film. I was distracted. I was, I ser- no, honestly, I was distracted. I was distracted watching scenes that normally play out in widescreen in this square box. Like at least in like Grand Budapest Hotel or something like that. Wes Anderson fills the frame in an appropriate way. First Reformed is a similar thing. I didn't feel like they, I, I don't know, man. I thought it was filled pretty well. This, I mean, again, a sense of setting and geography is the best in this movie than it is in pretty much every other film of the year. This is such an Adam choice. Yeah. This is so Adam. This it's, movie is so you. It's the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> do, you wanna, do you want me to go down my full list? No one has seen it. Uh, yes. No one would enjoy it. And it is your number one film of a very strong year. <laughs> well, yes. okay. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not on. Oh, let's do this. Where's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on your list? 
Well, I'll go down everything. Well, where is let's? I'll I'll say where the nightingale is on mine. <laughs> where? Uh, number thirty-one. Wow, it's pretty bad. Right underneath the laundromat, <laughs> and right above Hobbs and Shaw. You're wrong, Nico. Right <laughs> uh, back at you, bud. Uh, no, you're wrong. <laughs> um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is number thirteen. Okay, so you saw twelve better movies better than. Yes, okay. I can honestly say that. And above that, number 12 is John Wick Chapter 3. Almost and, made my list, too. Yeah. And right below Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, sort of out of principle, I guess, even though I think I like this movie more, number 14 is uh, Rocket Man. Okay. And 15, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Booksmart 16. 17 is Toy Story 4. Oh, wow. That low. Yep. A Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am, 18. Joker, 19. Yeah, mm-hmm. we talked about that off air. Yeah. That's a movie that has not aged well for either of us. Nope. Uh... 20 is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, word. Yep. You saw that recently, yeah. huh? Which I liked. I liked the movie. Uh, I think after like a couple hours, though, I was like, eh, nah. It doesn't need to go that high. Like, it's a good film. It's a very, like, <laughs> it's almost like a third-person character study. I like that that aspect of it's about a person trying to deeply understand another person in such a strange but unique, intimate way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if I saw it again, I'd, I'd, I'd put it a little higher, but that's where it is now. Dolomite is my name, 21. Oh, you saw it? Yeah. It was like, fun. Yeah, it was yeah, funny. Yeah. I thought it was fun, too. I enjoyed it, too. Yeah. Uh, Avengers Endgame, 22. Pretty high on mine, too. I think I had that. Let's see. That was 18 on my list. Yep. Us, 23. A film, Man, that, a film I that I forgot more and more about the more the year went by. I came so close to putting that on just to trigger you. I just couldn't justify it. I, I'll tell you what it was. It, I had it between Paddleton, High Flying Bird, and Us mm-hmm. for that third spot, and then I ended up watching Knives Out today, and, and you're like, okay, that right. that stole its spot. But I I wanted to get weirder with the list because I like being provocative. I just couldn't justify it. Yeah, you you can't be provocative. I don't think it's you have that muscle at all. That's the issue. There's I don't no, have the heart for it. Yeah, I put two rock docs in the top ten. That's got to mean something. There, you put documentaries in though. Yeah. What are you, 80 years old? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Both are wonderful movies. I'm sure they are. Uh, Paddleton, 24. El Camino, 25. Oh, El Camino. Yep. That movie is just out of my head. I know. I just haven't even thought about it. The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot, 26. Oh, yeah, okay. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, 27. Oh, no. 28, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Right below Godzilla. Yep. All right. The Art of Racing in the Rain is 29. Can't believe you saw that. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, it Chapter 2, 30. Nearly watched it a few days ago with some friends, and then I didn't. You would hate it, man. Yeah. You would fucking hate it. Yeah, I bet I would. Uh, Aladdin, 31. Oh, wow. The Lion King, uh, 32. Last Christmas, uh, 33. <laughs> Ma, 34. Piece of shit movie. How dare you? Ma's so bad, man. I'm sorry. It's not good. Uh, the Beach Bum, 35. Uh, Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby. Great film, 36. Uh, the, the Night Before Christmas, 37. Yeah. And here's where it gets a little funny. Uh, Cats, 38. Yeah. Serenity, 39. Uh-huh. Those two could maybe be flopped. Uh, regardless, though, this one is not getting flopped. Hellboy, number f- thir- 40. Fucking hell. Fuck that movie. And that's, and, where, yeah. and that's your list. Yeah. I'll get my bottom five then if we're on the subject. Yep. Uh, I have uh, 40 meters, 47 meters down uncaged. At 48. <laughs> Can't believe uh, you saw that one. The Night Before Christmas at 49. <laughs> the Fanatic at number 50. Serenity at 51. And then, of course, uh, Jellicle Cats are Jellicle at 52. 
I think Serenity is just a little bit worse. Okay. Yeah, flip flop for me. Yeah. Um, couple other things I wanted to shout out here. Uh, her smell made the top twenty. Kind of a challenging movie. Not a fun experience, but very well made and a tremendous performance out of uh, Elizabeth Moss. Um, the Souvenir, directed by Johanna Hogg, um, starring two actors that you've never heard of. I think it was an A24 movie. Scorsese produced it. I do know that. Weird. Um, and I think they're making a sequel this really? year, as a matter of fact. Okay. Yeah, it's coming out. I think it's going to premiere at Sundance. Another movie that's just like not made for me in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's period piece, kind of. It's not a costume drama, but it has the feel of a costume drama. It's very understated, and like it involves British people sitting in restaurants together, sipping tea and having conversations about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like saw the trailer, and I'm like, "Fuck this movie! I'm not doing it." <laughs> uh-huh. And then I saw it, and I found it to be totally moving, and it could easily made my top ten as well. It's really, really good. Cool. And I think you can stream that on Amazon if you'd like. Uh, Paddleton, you mentioned uh, Cold Pursuit. <laughs> Liam Neeson, which you like, you should see it. All right, all right. twenty-two on my list. It's not too bad. Uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Have you seen that yet? I don't really have any interest in seeing it. It's okay. Uh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, actually, you should see it. It's pretty good. I think I'm done with Marvel movies. You're done. I'm not going to see Black Widow. Are you announcing your retirement from Marvel viewership? Unless someone tells me, here's the thing. If, and, um, unless someone tells me, uh, want, or asks me, you want to go see this movie, I won't be that ass. I was like, fuck you. I don't see those movies. I'll right. go see the movie. Right. But I don't think I'm ever going to pay for a Marvel movie ever again. Okay. Like on my own accord. Uh, all right. Let's run down the top 10 one more time and then we'll get out of here. Number 10 for me, a tie between Rolling Thunder Review and Amazing Grace. Number 9, Knives Out. Number 8, Toy Story 4. Number 7, The Lighthouse. Heart! Number 6, Little Women. Love that movie. Could move up higher in a few weeks if, mm-hmm. if need be. Uh, Parasite, number 5, The Irishman. Number 4, 3, Who's Got the Stone? KG, KG's Got the Stone. <laughs> Uncut Gems. Number 2, Marriage Story. I hope you die! And number 1... You love pussy? Yeah, we all do. <laughs> Once upon a time, dot, 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 in Hollywood. <sighs> Calm down, Tarantino. <laughs> Number 11. Rick fucking Dalton. <laughs> Rick fucking Dalton. Uh, number 11, Knives Out. Number 10, Under the Silver Lake. Number 9, Midsummer. Number 8, Crawl. Number 7, Doctor Sleep. Number 6, The Irishman. Number 5, Uncut Gems. Number 4, The Lighthouse. Number 3, Parasite. Number 2, Marriage Story. And number 1, The Nightingale. That's a top 10 list. Hell yeah. And that'll do it. Yeah, well. For this cinematic year of the Movie Hall of Fame. What are we doing next week? For movies? Yeah, are we back on the... uh, Are we back on it? Maybe. Are we back to the grind? I guess. We gotta do... We should do 2009. Okay, should we nominate this? 10 years, yeah. Should we do this? Sure, let's do it. All right, let's do it. I totally forgot about this. We haven't done this in like a month and a half. Okay. 2009. All right. Uh, all right. So we're changing the rules, by the way. Um, we are, uh, we're only doing five movies from here on out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that means that one of us gets to pick three movies and the other one only picks two. We'll flop every. So every you week. want this one or you want the next one? I'll pick three. Okay. All right. Then nominate away. Avatar. Ugh, 
Sorry. Ugh. I know, I know, but we got to talk about it. Um. All right, give me... Oh, yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, actually. <clears throat> I haven't even looked at this. Yeah, this is a, it's a good year. Uh, a serious man. Good. Uh, then I'll go Inglorious Bastards. And... I will go The Hangover. Interesting choice. No? No good? Mm. Yeah. No. And The Hangover. Yeah. All right. Good. Go. Okay. Now it got weird. (laughs) Uh, Which one of these do I like more? X-Men Origins Wolverine is sitting there on the board for you. Oh, thank you. X-Men Origins Wolverine. There we go. (laughs) Great film. Great, great, wonderful treat of a movie. Fast and Furious 4 on that list. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. There's also District 9. Yep. Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Fantastic, Mr. Fox. That's my... Oh, not my. God. All right. Fine. We're talking Wes Anderson again next week. <laughs> <laughs> the Coen brothers, Wes Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, and James Cameron. This is you know, if there's one thing you could say about us, we are consistent. Yep. <laughs> That's a nice lineup of directors. <laughs> I nominated Tarantino. Uh, it's just that we talk about the same fucking filmmakers every week. But all right. Very well. Well, they make the best movies. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> all right. That's it. I'm tired. I'm tired of you. Yeah, I know. I could put Moon on there. Yeah, yeah, I have. I, that, I wouldn't nominate it. The Informant? No. You don't like The Informant? It's okay. We're going to talk District 9 and why is this a thing at some point. So I'm, Oh, that's right, because Nick, yeah, Nick yeah, doesn't like we, it. We should save it. Why doesn't he like it? I mean, I don't, I don't think the movie's perfect at all, but like, he... I don't know. I love that movie. Yeah. I, I really like it. You like Neil Blomkamp more than anybody, though. I do, man. Like, I don't think he's that good of a filmmaker. Dude, I came so close to put Elysium on the top 100. I really wanted to do it just to trigger you. That's really the only reason why. But I just, because I love, I want to be controversial. I just can't bring myself to do it. Because uh, well, I don't have the stomach. This is you trying to be a contrarian. It's like, just be honest with yourself, man. I mean, Elise, I don't like Elysium. I know. Most people don't. And I don't like Chappie either. Chappie. Like, I just don't. Th- <laughs> the ant word. I don't know. I, th- I just think that, like. District 9 is a fluke, and I don't even think it's that good, is the thing. Like, it's a, it's good, but, like, it, I, I wouldn't look at that movie and say, oh, this guy's going places. I thought that. And, and by the way, he did go places. No, he didn't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, straight to the unemployment line. That's where he went. Yep. All right. Uh, that's... <laughs> Have fun trying to make Alien 5. Never. That's... Jesus. Wow, yeah. It's never going to that project? It's never going to happen. Not if Ridley Scott has anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, because <laughs> he just keeps making a fucking hell. That guy should like let go of his franchise already. He needs to stop. He really does. Yeah. It really, they should just take like 10 years off of Alien. Yeah. Disney technically owns Alien now. I know, which is why they won't take 10 years off. Yeah. But all right. That's it. I'm done. Love you also very, very much. Yep. And until next time. Happy movie hopping. Uh, uh.